I have a beauty waiting for me back in Winterfell. Yellow hair, blue eyes, tallest woman you've ever seen. Almost as tall as you. Brienne of Tarth. You know her? You're with Brienne of fucking Tarth. Well, not with her yet. But I see the way she looks at me. How does she look at you? And she wants to carve you up and into your liver? You do know her. podcast i'm mr blog and i'm duncan and i'm lucy and i'm jason and this <laughs> is game of microphones episode 39 wow mm. we have a full house today yeah <laughs> i wasn't supposed to be here but this why a special why guest why are you here what's up jason what's going on because i had to miss two weeks ago where it was like one of the most amazing episodes ever and danny <laughs> attacked the lannisters and then i saw this episode and i was like fucking a man I can't miss both of these. <laughs> well it's it's awesome to have you on Thank here you. as always totally. and we are also joined by lucy from scotland lucy Yay. how are you doing Hello, good morning. Uh, yeah, I'm doing good. It's it's the future here. It's Tuesday, so hello. <laughs> Whoa. Anything exciting what, happen last happen? night? What's going to happen? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I mean, nothing cat- catastrophic yet. Yeah. Uh, the sun hasn't come up, so I'm just kind of sitting, waiting for that to happen. Hopefully that um, comes up. <laughs> yeah, I hope so. I mean, I'll let you know if it doesn't. <laughs> Lucy is communicating to us through tachyons sent backwards in space-time. I am. She's that's like exactly that. what's happening that's just what i do it's what we do <laughs> so this this is awesome we're on the west coast east coast and scotland great Indeed. to have everybody here Yay. we are here to talk about game of thrones the beyond the wall beyond, beyond the, the wall. wall beyond the wall holy crap i loved it i thought it was fantastic uh do i have some quibbles sure we'll get into that later but let's get into these top three highlights Game of Thrones, Season 7, Episode 6, Beyond the Wall. Okay, who's going to start first? Lucy. Lucy. There we go. Lu- I thought oh. I heard something. <laughs> I'm sitting quietly in the corner <laughs> here. Um, are we going to go for the the big stuff straight away? I mean, are we... It's up to you. What do we think? Totally, whatever um, you want. Okay, because I tried to... Because I know you guys are like into the, the battles, which I am also, but I thought I would try and pick some more off the wall things if i could um, sure, so the first thing i have written up is actually uh, the women of the episode um i enjoyed very much hearing aria's memory of breaking the rules and introducing the idea mm. that sometimes maybe the rules are wrong rather than the people within them being wrong yes i feel so bad for Sansa this season because I really feel like she's just doing her best and um, <laughs> she's just getting constant shit from her slightly creepy brother, uh, her now slightly creepy sister and I just think, you know I hope that there's a bigger game plan for her because at the moment I just really think you know she's doing her best um, but the idea that she was comparing to Arya this different kind of suffering and the pain she'd endured and Arya's just not willing to recognise that in anyone else but herself. She's still quite narcissistic in that way. Um, so that conflict between the two sisters, 
I thought Danny's observations about the kind of men and the warriors around her were quite interesting. And her reaction to the final act was very stoic. Like, you didn't see her break down or, or scream or cry or anything. And I thought that was really, really interesting. What was the observation that they just go off into dangerous situations? They do. I think they do stupid things. Which she said right before yeah. she took her three dragons up to fight White Walkers. Yeah, she was three talking about how heroes heroes go and get themselves killed. And I thought it was interesting because the three heroes that she mentioned were Drogo, Jorah, and Dario. And then she threw in that, that Jon Snow. You yeah, know, so putting him all in the level. But yeah. it's a little ironic that she's sort of criticizing him for that. And then she goes and kind of does the same thing. Yeah, because she's a hero too. You know, what can she do? <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's what heroes do. Yeah. And that was the one time where I, I was like, come on, Tyrion. You, I mean, I, I, I totally love Tyrion in this episode, but they balance each other out. And this is where the balance needed to tip on her side. I mean, you could argue against that because she kind of suffered a huge yeah. loss, but we wanted to see her go up and take care of business. Yeah, time to change says, up the methodology. Oh, go ahead, know, she says she doesn't regret it. You know, exactly. like John says, yeah. sorry. And. I thought right. it was really touching that John recognized that these were her children and not just a pet. I guess I wonder if I having know. a dire wolf makes you more <laughs> aware oh, of yeah. what yeah, pets sensitive. are. But, it, it must, because yeah. he freaked out when that dragon went down. He like Everybody yeah, was kind of was standing pissed. still, just jaws dropped, and he started swinging his sword and yeah. you know, he was lit- <laughs> eyed up the, the, the Night King and everything. <laughs> and you're right. As soon as he came to consciousness, that was his first thing was, I'm so sorry, and I thought that was really yeah. touching. Yeah. yeah, I've written down um, John does a Jamie hashtag don't fuck with Bay, which I think is right. <laughs> like, just don't fuck with her. Um, yeah. And the final, the final thing about um, kind of the role of women in this was, I really liked what the way that Arya introduced the idea of the faceless men. Um, yeah. I thought it was a bit. It, it was again. It was a bit movieish. I felt a bit like this is kind of exposition that. I don't know, three seasons ago, we might have had like some softcore porn instead of, you know, just a room with someone speaking. Um, I'm not saying either is better. Um, but the idea that because she's female, she has these faces and this anonymity that allows her to break the rules and do and, and meet out this justice. And yeah, I don't, I'm really interested to know what you guys thought of that scene because oh, the bit where she gave Sansa the dagger, I still don't know that I've quite grasp what she's getting at there is she saying you know Sansa it's your turn to kill someone or is she saying I'm not going to do it watch out for me like I'm sure there's someone sitting at home going for fuck's sake it's really obvious but um yeah I was really intrigued by that did you guys see the outtake where she's like hello Clarice I mean Sansa (laughs) no (laughs) (laughs) I'm just kidding she was totally Arya Lecter in that whole scene man she so was (laughs) I I saw her just turning over the knife just as, as sort of a, I could kill you if I want yeah. to, but you're safe yeah. right now. Yeah. Here it is. You could take the dagger. I'm not going to But I'm do totally anything. in control of the situation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I thought I, that's pretty much what I that mean, was. I mean, watching this episode, watching that whole sequence, I was feeling the same way about Arya that I felt about the waif, which is kind of interesting. Like, I fucking hate you, basically. <laughs> and, <laughs> oh, yeah. And, you know, I, I don't like feeling that way about Arya, but she 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 seemed like the waif. She was cold and creepy and dangerous. And uh, I was trying to look on, you know, and I thought it was almost unbelievable that she would act like that, but I was trying to look yeah. on the devil's advocate side. And, I mean, their relationship, you know, she's always thought 
that Sansa's this prissy girl who wants to be the queen and and that's more important to her than probably anything else. And so that's, the hound has a word I bet Arya would use. Yeah, yeah. But also, I think really the only thing that w- would justify her, because she even with that, I don't think she would want to destabilize what's going on at Winterfell, where this you know they have Winterfell. But I think the only thing that would justify this kind of behavior, if she actually believes that Sansa might betray Jon, which is what she said. So I think that's yeah. what they're getting at. That Arya thinks Sansa might betray Jon. Is it possible that this is Arya's way of getting to know who Sansa is now by playing this like, okay, go ahead and try to lie to me to maybe try to figure out the truth as to mm-hmm. what's going on uh, because she doesn't know her sister anymore. It's been a long time and no, they've both been true. through so much. And they never really did pay that much. I mean, have heart hearts or anything. I don't think. No. And they, mm-hmm. and she Quite laid it out in this. Yeah. She's laid it out in this episode as well. You always wanted the pretty dresses. You wanted the fancier, you know, this has been the kind of theme. Aria wanted something drastically different. Yeah. Dad had to convince me not to stab you with needle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but they, they, there, there was this, this moment where as Aria was talking about being somebody else, this is not who it's not who they became, but now she has the power to become whoever she wants to. Uh, mm-hmm. And then it went in a menacing town. And I think that might have just been, you know, poking and prodding to see where her weak spots are and what's really yeah. going on with her sister. Possibly. That know. and also just saying, don't fucking betray John or you will yeah. meet my wrath. Yeah. I can <laughs> me too. Yeah. But I'm, yeah, I'm at sure this point, that, I'm wondering if Arya killed that servant girl just so she could have her face and get close to Walder Frey. I think <laughs> she's she, she seemed like she's capable of something like that. Sure. Yeah, now. yeah. absolutely. And, I, I, that's what I've always thought. Yeah. And I think if she goes too far, in this, if she keeps going further in this direction, it's it, it, she, she can't. It, she's got to go. There's, I mean, there's just something about it that feels... I mean, it's classic, like, you know, drama studies, isn't it? It's like, you know, put an obstacle in the way yeah. of kind of the goals. It feels like the writers said we need to yeah. amp up the drama here. It just feels a little manufactured in that sense. I'm just a little like, okay, I can see this would happen, maybe. You have to talk yourself into it. A little bit. I'm just a bit like, Arya couldn't possibly look at that and think, oh, Sansa wrote that off her own back. And was totally happy. And I think the argument, you know, you didn't have a knife to your neck is really unreasonable because she knows that that's not how the Lannisters operate. So, yeah, I'm kind of with you. I found Arya a bit... I enjoyed the speeches that she had and the sentiment of what she was saying, but I'm finding her actions a little difficult to to follow and kind of empathize with at the moment. Well, they've sort of hinted at something, you know, maybe her turning dark side, even in the same episode, while uh, John and Beric are talking about being brought back, they're discussing what they're living for and who the enemies are, what they're fighting for, which is another yeah. aspect of the episode. And, um, you know, they they decide, Beric says, I'm fighting for life, you know, and he says, death is the enemy. But yeah. what, what God does Arya serve you know, the whole house of black and white, the faceless men, they serve the god of death, the many-faced god. So yeah. that that's an inherent conflict between the uh, between Arya's philosophy, sort of, and, and the ideology that John and the Lord of Light and these guys are all sort of fighting mm-hmm. for. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, she's been, in, she's been hanging out with some crazy people with this death cult, so I'm sure that's had an impact on her out- outlook of the world and i really do feel like she's channeling the waif 
Yeah. I, yeah. I think it's so funny, too, yeah. that, you know, she's collecting faces when uh, I made the comparison to Hannibal Lecter. But Hannibal Lecter was kind of drawn to faces, too. He wore a face in uh, the movie Hannibal, right, yeah. when he was escaping uh, the, the, the cage in whatever police precinct they were at. He's eat, he eats people's lambs, faces. Actually. Oh, that that was the original yeah. Silence of the Lambs. Okay, yeah, yeah, um, yeah awesome. And and he, uh, you know, he eats people's faces, and there's like sort of a, a face thing with him. So I thought it was interesting that she really played that scene very Hannibal like to me. I, I rewatched it, and it's all I could see when I was watching her. Yeah, <laughs> Hannibal Stark. Yeah, for sure. For sure. <laughs> now, of course, there was also one other woman in this episode that I thought was pretty awesome. Brienne of Tarth? Brienne of Tarth, exactly. I mean, yeah, she was in it very shortly. But she really, you know, had that um, that little exchange with Sansa. I felt she felt so conflicted. I yeah. felt so bad for her. And yeah. can we have, like, a moment of recognition that Podrick is now a competent swordsman? <laughs> yeah, right, yeah, yeah, awesome. I think about that. Yeah. Oh, also with Brienne leaving, Peter Baelish had said, well, Brienne's sworn to serve both of you. That mm. So if one of you is trying to harm the other one in any way, Brienne would need... Would, be honor bound to step in correct and sansa's like mm-hmm. yeah and then sansa sends bran away so does that mean she's plotting to potentially harm Arya? my theory is that's her playing to littlefinger she's making littlefinger feel secure that she's doing what he thinks she's going to do um and that she's got something bigger in mind but i couldn't put money on that see i think littlefinger's totally in control right now and Things are going according to his plan perfectly, and I, I kind of like love it. that if it's true because that's more like how he was early on. And I, yeah. he's the one character, even more than Cersei, that I totally want to see get what he deserves by the end of this, which is a killing. Yeah. <laughs> but in the meantime, <laughs> I want to see him do his thing, you know. Yeah. But I, I was sort of thinking, I, I, I didn't get that either, and I think I'm probably wrong. I shouldn't even say what I think, but I thought it was Littlefinger was trying to make uh, Sansa fear that Brienne would hurt Arya and so she sent Brienne away so that wouldn't happen but oh maybe I don't know mm. but I think yeah, whatever sure. it was I think Littlefinger wanted uh, Sansa to send Brienne away because that means she's even less protected yeah yeah, it's taking away because she's the one who's seen right through Littlefinger right from the start, isn't mm-hmm. she? She's like, nope, do not trust. And uh, yeah, yeah, she's and probably she's right the about biggest. That. Oh, yeah, definitely right about that. She kind of lacks his cunning and you know, um, overall sort of evil machinations, but, but she she's has got a good of gut. Character. Yeah, and she's just like, nope, shut it down. And she's quite right. <laughs> All right. Well, I th- is, do you have anything else on your number three there? I, oh, I, I've just got to note that the faces look weird as hell, but that's... <laughs> the masks. Yeah, oh are. my god, yeah, I was a bit like, oh, what the... <laughs> um, you can't think too hard about those faces. Yeah, no. I was like, you know, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna let that one lie. Oh, let's go to Jason. Alright, I'm gonna go straight to the dragons. <laughs> this, this, this is a, a, um, a deeply held issue for people because those dragons are so beloved. Like, you know, some people, uh, many people hate seeing any harm come to animals more than humans in, in shows. And, Mm -hmm. and so when I look at a show that I podcast about, I'd look at it from two 
perspectives. One is just a fan who's totally enmeshed and cares about the characters and wants to see good things for them. But then also from a storytelling perspective about what makes the most satisfying story. And so yeah. just from a purely emotional, I, uh, I'll, I'll go with that first. Like when uh, Drogon jumped over that cliff and, with Danny on him and then the other two went too, I was like, uh, do they all need to go like that? <laughs> and, and right, right. It was right after Tyrion said, when we t- go to King's Landing, we'll be going with two armies and three dragons. Yeah. And I'm like, fuck, three and- dragons. <laughs> We'd better hope it's not two dragons. <laughs> when John's out there, uh, yeah, with the other one against them. But when John's out there, uh, you know, they're all surrounded and the the whites are closing in. And then Drogon comes in with the swelling music with his fire blazing. That was oh yeah, like, oh ah, yeah, that's so glorious. Cool. The dragon theme, <laughs> like in all its splendor, like and this yeah, and the snow, like just blazing paths of fire across oh and the God. snow just bursting out everywhere yeah it was amazing it was incredible it was, so it, was, <laughs> it was like lord of the rings or something like that kind of scale you know although i mean yeah i could yeah, easily say here. i think it was better this is one of <laughs> yeah. the most oh, yeah. badass things i've ever seen on tv yeah <laughs> for sure oh, on tv no question this is oh yeah definitely beyond anything or film even yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Film so, in general, yeah. yeah. And then we j- we just got yeah, dragons versus zombies. Yeah, that's what that's we've been waiting awesome. for. <laughs> that's fucking <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Dragons and, versus zombies and necromancers. And, and yeah, then, yeah, yeah. We'll throw in a few other things too. Why not? Yeah, but yeah. I mean, it's, it's just like we had dragons and zombies. Like, oh my god. Yeah, that's so cool. Dragons man. and zombies. That's and why zombie I wanted bears. to podcast because oh it's yeah, I did have this, this moment of like right. sitting there just thinking. This is it. This is ice and fire, and that was pretty yeah. cool. Like I was sitting there just thinking, this is what we thought we wouldn't ever see. Really, um, the, the rate Gurm was writing his books, we were like, oh, <laughs> it may happen one day. And then, as soon as the Night King picked up that ice spear, oh. I was oh, like, no. oh, oh fuck! Like they're not going to do another. I knew right away they're not going to do another brawn. Uh, you know, no. nail machine. No, this, and that was total foreshadowing for this. Yeah, this yeah. one's gonna hit. Oh. And then he goes and does his Olympic javelin throw, and uh, totally it was cool. really vicious. Uh, it oh, hit it was Drogon brutal. And, I mean, not Drogon, Viserion. There's so much blood, and it, he would have gone for Drogon, but then I think, but then Viserion was flying overhead. A flame just comes bursting out of his neck where he got hit. Yeah, oh, yeah. and blood just, and the way too. He falls yeah. is just so brutal. It's, yeah. oh, it's so slams into the ice, and... and then he's just all limp, and then he sinks into the cold oh. water. And, and that was really, really yeah. sad. Really sad. Oh, yeah, the way so his sad. nose pointed upwards as he sank, and like it was like the Titanic, like going right and down. And then you see, you know, everybody's quiet for a minute, just taking it in. And then John, like you said, he he just gets more up. pissed than I think I've ever seen him. And I, one yeah. thing I really liked about that scene too is it pans left over the faces of everybody sitting on the dragon and Tormund yeah. is just like, his mind is blown. The hound yeah. is like, what the fuck happened? You know, Jorah, Jorah is sitting there and when it pans over to... to to um, Daenerys next to Jorah, you see Jorah look over at her to see her reaction, and like, mm. <laughs> you know, he's he's concerned about her. Jorah really understands the meaning of that, I think, right. more than anyone there, because he saw oh, her yeah. with the eggs, and he see, he's really been there from the very start. And yeah, yeah. I hadn't oh, thought man, about that. that That's so true. Speaking of the start, I'm gonna I'm gonna read the passage from the books on my still smug this week, where the dragons are hatched. 
just oh, an no. hour of oh, God. my heart suffering. i can't do it okay so now here's why i think this was that uh, why i appreciate all this mm-hmm. and i think the the a big part of the appeal of game of thrones is how much it makes you feel and a part of that is is heartbreak and despair and it's been like that mm-hmm. since the very beginning and uh one of my favorite comic book writers right now is Tom King. And he said it's his job as a writer to make us feel uncomfortable so he can make us feel comfortable again. And that kind of comfort is more satisfying when you've like gone through something like this. And I think Mm -hmm. game of Thrones does that so well. And it's, it's necessary for a really good story for the good guys to see these dark times. And if, if the dragons just went and kicked ass, then uh, we wouldn't need another season because they would just right. go <laughs> defeat everybody just and roast the night. King that'd right be it. There. Yeah. So, <laughs> and also one thing I really like about zombies is it's the tragedy <laughs> of your loved ones being turned into monsters that can turn against you. And that's going to happen now with, Viserion, and when he got turned in the blue eye, I was simultaneously channeling both of these perspectives because I was like, oh, no. And I was like, oh, yes, this is so cool. (laughs) Yeah, same here. I I think a lot of people were like really, really mentally damaged by by the dragon going down. But I had just been expecting it for so long and like looking forward to that story arc. That it, like I was sad, you know, but I was excited at the same time, and I think the o- the excitement sort of overrode the uh, the what should have been a sad moment because I knew what was coming already, you know. <laughs> I have two things to say, Jason. You like zombies? Yeah, and zom- zombies are this is what zombies are about, you know. If you really like go back to Night of the Living Dead, well, not even, in, but it's like your grandma suddenly is trying to eat you. You know, it's yeah. sad. Oh. It's tragic. Totally, totally. Um, And I have, I have a question for Duncan, but it's—I don't know if it's spoilery or not. You'll probably edit this out. um, But it's about the three, the three heads of the dragon. Mm. Where do you stand on that now? Uh, I I, I stand that you know John's going to ride Rhaegal like his father Rhaegar. Mm. Um, The Night King's going to be piloting that that. You know that dragon from afar or whatever, uh, Viserion. But Bran's gonna warg into it and then let Tyrion ride him. So Ooh, <laughs> that's, like that. that's that's where I'm at as well. That's Thank brilliant. you. I'm glad I'm not barking up the wrong tree here. The only other thing I had to say about all this is I wonder if um, zombie or white Viserion will be as intelligent and strong and dexterous as as the living Viserion because it seems like the whites are. They're really vicious, but they're not really, really intelligent. You know, they kind of just That's follow why you orders. need a warg. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So when the Night King is so controlling, it'd be interesting him. to see how he, how Viserion is when he. Oh, one thing I really liked too was how personal it was with the Night King. You know, he's probably wanted a dragon for thousands of years. And he finally <laughs> has one. He's got the chains already. You know, drags up faster yeah, out of the so water. Yeah, that was so cool too. Just how yeah. he got them all working to. Oh yeah, he, dude. He's it's he's you know he's seen Bran in visions and stuff, so he might be having visions of the future and like knew the dragons were coming, so he had the spears ready, knew that there one was going to be in the lake, so he had the chains ready. You know, who knows? But uh, I really liked how it was personal for him. It was like something special, and he he walked down to it. Everybody parted out of the way, and he knelt down and touched it. Like it was just a really like cool moment that it was you know showed how serious it was. One thing I want to say about the Night King, and I think we have to give it up for this dude. Every time we actually do see him in battle, 
he never fails to amaze us. I mean, think back to Hard yeah. Home where he was just mm-hmm. like, come at me, bro. You know, when yeah. everybody rises up. Now <laughs> we have him as... Exactly. Now he, we have him as the, the Olympic javelin thrower, which was just <laughs> spectacular. He had amazing form. Yeah, geez, great wow. shape. Um, for such an undead guy, really is in great shape. <laughs> His form was um, really good too. He the arm stretch so... pointing in the direction. <laughs> I mean, he's a very like he's a Renaissance man. You know, he's got interests. He's good at javelin. <laughs> he likes dragons. He can walk. You know, he's, he's cool. What can I say? You know, I've got a bit of sympathy. No, I don't. But, you look know. at all <laughs> the people he. Look at all the, the whites he's nurturing. He's nurturing, and caring. He brought all those people back to life. I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah plus, Maybe like it, they say, it know. takes ten thousand hours to become a master at something, and he's had ten thousand years so you know, eight thousand years so he's, he's highly misunderstood everything. i think, I, think <laughs> yeah. I like the idea that he's just been sitting watching like youtube videos of baby dragons and they all know that he really wants a dragon Aww. so they're like oh finally yay i keep thinking he doesn't maybe even he's have actually to be dead, like me yeah yeah <laughs> some people think that yeah well, i think he looks Little I think like he him, looks huh? kind of strange. Like for for the big bad, I feel like the guy with the beard that you see behind him, like his second in command, looks more like what you would think maybe the big evil big bad would look like. And there's something about the Night King, but I quite like that because it's a bit, oh yeah, me too. He's quite against type like, a little. Yeah, and he's just very calm, and that's almost creepier. It's like the Halloween mm-hmm. thing. He's yeah. so calm. Yeah. He says anything. Yeah. Like... Well, going back to the Hannibal thing, right? The uh, the, the gentleman killer. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but he's also got the attitude, you know. Like I- I'll fucking take care of you. I barely even need to move. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he's just like, yeah, 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 mm-hmm. for sure. Jason, anything else on the dragons? Nope. Duncan, number All right. three. My number three is the talk of babies and succession in this episode. Oh. Um, Dude, a lot of baby yeah. talk. You know, Tormund talking about making babies with Brienne, (laughs) big bad (laughs) monsters like uh, George Foreman, who had just conquered the entire world. And and Jorah tells Jon he hopes the sword will serve him well, Longclaw. That was a crazy moment, too, when he says that that he's forfeited his right to claim Longclaw. It was really, really emotional and intense. Yeah, because when... um he gave the sword to him. I was in a room of other people and they're like, what? (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. Yeah. It did seem Uh, like a bit of a, uh, I I did worry for Jorah at that point. I was like, Oh, are you maybe going to not make the episode? Mm, They were all having little moments. And because each one of them was having all these moments. I'm like, no, exactly. yeah. I really thought that Jorah was going to die this episode going into it. I didn't think he was coming back out. Um, but yeah, he yeah. tells John he hopes the sword serves him well and, and his children to come. And my first time I was like, wow, you know, that's really cool. And then the second time I was like, wait, he saw the way that John and Danny were looking at each other. He just wants Danny's kids to have his sword. Aww. <laughs> Aww. I think um, Thoros is the kids. one I care the least about. Yeah, he was. I he fancy was, that then. He I the do red shirt care. Of the seven. The uh, he is the red shirt, but yeah. he's also when you lose Thoros, you lose your ability to bring people back right. to life. So he's quite yeah. a right. loss. In That's that why sense. He, he had to die, you know. Yeah, exactly. So it was like their get out of jail free card is gone. Um, <laughs> do I not he did pass an amazing go. performance. Yeah, do not pass go. Do not be resurrected by the Lord. <laughs> <laughs> do not collect dragon glass. I don't know. Yeah, do not collect <laughs> dragon glass. Which obviously um, they didn't. 
I know. What the hell? Yeah. They should have rode in on horses, duh, and had a bunch of bows with dragon class arrowheads. Could have taken care yeah. of the problem like that. Yeah. Yeah. 300%. Totally, <laughs> but then it would have yes. Yeah, no, it would have been really sensible <laughs> yeah. and over in like five minutes. So. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe it could have been cool. Uh, but uh, yeah, so he's, you know, he's talking about children with John there, implying that John will have children. And um, then Danny tells John she can't have kids. And, um, you know, it, it could have been interpreted as her just imp- impressing on John how important the dragons are to her. But mm-hmm. I, th- I think she was, you know, it was right after John had grabbed her hand after yeah. waking up and they made like you a personal know this connection. If anything's going to happen between us. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like you, you know, like do you under, what did she say? She said you understand. Um, and she it had also been right. mentioned with Tyrion too early on. Yeah. Right. So about they keep mentioning yeah. that so it seems like I mean, why did, why can't she have kids? I don't remember. The, During the, the curse. Yeah, the black magic ritual oh, with Miri okay. Mazdur, um that basically in the aftermath of that, she said that she would not longer be able to be able to have kids. See, like, I bet you like, that'll be reversed somehow. Yeah, well, people, I heard people speculating, it was on Behind the Iron Throne, hashtag BTIT. I heard um, <laughs> one of them on there talking about how, you know, if only death can pay for life, maybe the sacrifice of Viserion to attempt to save John and, you know, the whole world, maybe that death will pay for the life of a new child for Danny. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Sort, of the way that, sort of the way that Rago, her child <coughs> Rogo, paid for... Um, Drogo's life and then subsequently potentially the dragons. I think it's quite interesting from John's perspective because in the book certainly when he's uh, falling for Egret and he, he has a lot of angst and upset about the thought of bringing a bastard into the world. Like he's right. really that, that horrifies him. And That's I don't why know he never whether goes to brothels or anything either. Yeah, he's like it's too shameful, it's too kind of it's just too bad of a thing that he can't even contemplate it. Um and yeah, I just wonder where he's at with kids. You know, if I was if I was on a date with John, not that that would happen, but if I was, you know, I'd love to know where he's at with with if he wants kids. You know, but it's quite interesting because he is still, to all intents and purposes, a bastard. But I think he's that, a bastard who's a king. So. Yeah, he could legitimize himself or anybody else for that matter. <laughs> but, um, I think that he would be like all about kids because he took a special liking to Ollie. You know, uh, Ollie. what happened with that? Yeah, yeah. Friggin- but, uh, maybe that's a sign that he should it, not be having kids. It runs in his family, though. Ned, Ned was always obsessed with the the kids. Like CC's Catelyn when he comes home from hunting, he's like, "How are the kids?" You know, immediately like Ned yeah. was all about the kids. He's I have a feeling he would to like save to, his kids, yeah. but who knows? So, yeah, not. I mean, obviously Ned's not John's dad, but it, it, I just feel like it's like a family trait of the Starks. Like they're really into their, yeah. you know, children and everything. They're family. wolf pack. Yeah, they're wolf yeah. pack. They're pack. Yeah, they're cubs. Um, yeah, so that that was my number three babies in succession, and yeah, the the talk with Tyrion about you know who's going to succeed her, um, what kind of system they want to put in place. I thought that was really cool. It played into the idea of what are we fighting for when Beric was talking with John as well. Like, are we fighting for a monarchy? Are we fighting for representative government? Do we want to have succession based on you know the, the eldest male heir? Do we want to do it some different way yeah. of voting, like the Night's Watch? Do we want a king's moot? Tyrion's hinting yeah, at what you want to see. Right. He's totally hinting towards constitutional republic, representative government type stuff, which I think is awesome. I was, you know, 
really Democracy. excited to hear that. Yeah, yeah. he's just it, the concept doesn't exist, so he's struggling on how to <laughs> explain it. He's got the socio-political yeah. mind to design this, but he's struggling with the terminology and how to express it properly to Danny. And she thinks she's you know he's just she trying to put a plan anyway. in place to uh you know to usurp some after she dies essentially or something yeah. like that. But mm-hmm. well, I think it's pretty exciting. Iron Islands, and they're basically a democracy, aren't they? They're kind of a straw poll democracy. They do hustings and introduce themselves, and then people kind of vote by, I don't know, screaming or something. Yeah, but, it um, depends. Yeah. Uh, sometimes it's hereditary monarchy, and then at other times they have what's called the king's moot. The king's where, moot, yeah. Yeah, the, the people show up and basically explain to the crowd why they would why they should be king, and the crowd decides at the end who who gets it, basically. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it'll be exciting to see where it goes. I hope Tyrion mm. figures it out. Yeah. Very cool. Well, thank you, Duncan. Thank you. All right, my number three, the cinematography. Oh, I thought the, nice. the the filming of this this particular episode was fantastic, and I and mm. I I think I remember when Fargo came out the the film, the Cone Brothers talking about the difficulty of making such a completely bleak and white landscape somehow exciting, somehow riveting mm. to watch. And and ever since hearing that, I've always paid attention to movies that do have that white bleak. Uh, Jason, you just watched The Thing recently, which mm-hmm. I think oh, is, yeah. is another great example of a movie that uses that bleak landscape to great effect. And I thought they did a phenomenal job with everything north of the wall. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, the way they, beautiful. They, wow. They, really, they use the landscape beautifully, uh, the, that beautiful black rock against the, the white snows, uh, oh, the way yeah. they use the height and, and you know looking down when they finally start seeing some of the dead showing up, I thought was just gorgeous. Oh, it, was, it was phenomenal. Or when they're yeah. trudging into the blizzard and you can't even yes. with a bear. That was oh so my god! And it's polar bear, yeah, zombie polar oh bear. And he's sitting there on fire, growling at at the yeah. hound, and the hound freezes up like Theon did a couple episodes yep, ago. That yep, PTSD. Yep. But as far as cinematography, it was just they're yeah. in this strange unknown oh, land, yeah. at least for everyone but Tormund, and just to have it be where you can't even see. Uh, several feet in front of you and they use it was like that episode of the walking dead where they're all in the fog remember yeah yeah yeah, that was was a long time ago but it was you even saw the bear paws where he john's looking down and he sees them going off into the mist that's all you can see and it's just like oh my god what other horrible things lurk in that fog you know beautiful yes and that's that while we're talking about the bear i think Game of Thrones does this thing where a scene can serve two purposes. They do that a lot. And I think this scene was a, a badass fucking zombie bear attacking and it was awesome. (laughs) But B is just a reminder that, Oh yeah, the white walkers can turn beasts. So that it would echo at the end. And then we also get the fire with, with, with Sandor going on as far as his fear Mm -hmm. or reminder of that. And that probably got um, what's his name killed. Absolutely. Totally got Thoros whacked. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what was that great line he said? Uh, I just got bit by a bear. I mean, there was. He, was, <laughs> he says, um, where is it? I just Funny got bit life. by a dead bear. That's you did. it. <laughs> Funny old life. <laughs> love that. Every. Oh, God, R.I.P. Thoros. Seriously. I, even though he may have been the, the biggest red cloak of the whole group he at least i don't know he had that great fairly well he got some good one-liners in there 
cauterizing yeah. his wound. Ugh. As the um, red priest, who's definitely the biggest red cloak. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I've, I've seen well, that guy, uh, Paul Kay, on stage before. Uh, he's really? really good. Yeah, actually, weirdly, in a musical. <laughs> what did he do on stage? Um, I saw him in, do you know... Oh, Matilda? you saw him acting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Matilda, nice. the uh, musical. He was... Uh, Mr. Wormwood, and he was really good. <laughs> but, um, so, so it was quite funny because I just had this flashback where I was like, "Oh yeah, huh, I remember that." Um, but he's brilliant, <laughs> so good, and he look—he's got this fantastic look about him. He just looks a bit supernatural almost. He plays the ukulele too, but I'll talk about that later in the news. <laughs> Very good. All right. Well, so my number three cinematography, Lucy. What's your number two? Right. So kind of touched on it actually a little bit was the family and parentage aspect to the episode so constant references to the future and succession and um, so we've kind of covered that I quite like the Tyrion and Danny interaction because I was watching it the second time and I was thinking what's the actual tone here and it's almost a family kind of tone like although they're bickering there's a sort of mutual respect there that is almost parental in the way that Tyrion's speaking to Danny. Um, she's going, you know, when have I lost my temper? And he's like, uh, well, when you burned the Tarleys. <laughs> and she's like, I didn't rip. yeah, you went last week when you burned the people. <laughs> and it, it's great too how they'll bicker and then they'll they'll be you know back together again like everything's good. Just yeah. Like yeah, and I think it's the way she's kind of going. I want to break the wheel. I want to break the wheel. And he's like, yeah, but you're just going to create your own wheel. And this idea, you know, he's saying to her, this is how wheels are created is by repeating yeah. these patterns of behavior. And she says, you know, what, what is it? She says, which war was won without deceit and murder? And what Tyrion's desperately trying to do is kind of put across this idea of a new politics, a new way of doing mm. things. Mm-hmm. Um, so I quite, I really like their dynamic. I, a couple of episodes ago, I was concerned that Tyrion was maybe in danger slightly because his advice had been not great on a couple of occasions. In fact, most of the equation most of the occasions but i feel like there's this almost <laughs> familial thing between the two of them where she recognizes that she doesn't need him as almost a devil's advocate to to come up against um there were also memories of ned throughout the episode he was there a lot in terms of what people were talking about and uh beric saying oh. to john you know you must take after your father kind of thing uh we got a reference to viserys kind of a long forgotten family member um he right. said, "You did. You don't take after your father. You must take yes, after your mother. Yes, you must favor yeah. your mother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. you don't look um, anything like that guy. Yeah, you're like, oh, but <laughs> and yet you look like a Stark. This is confusing. <laughs> yeah. um, and I liked the idea that the death of Viserion is more than just losing one of their weapons. Is it's almost like the death of a child to be avenged. Like Danny's got an emotional stake in this war now that has maybe been missing up till now. You know, she just knows Great that point. it's her birthright. Good point. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. Um, whereas now she's like, you fucking killed my dragon. Are you kidding me? Um, and, and yeah, not only has she seen this threat, so now she's fully invested, but she's got a, a vengeance motive too. So yeah. Watch out. And it's like, you know, Cersei's a mother and Danny's mother, you know, there's the don't fuck with mothers basically would be the upshot yeah. of this. I think it's in your motherfucker. She's- she's got a lot she's got a lot of motives too she's got the motive to help john too now that she's like Mm -hmm. obviously got a thing for him Mm -hmm. um yep the ship is definitely heading to bone town so that was it kind of family parents lineage um and i guess jorah's reference to his father as well ties in with that um yeah i thought it was a sweet kind of thing to have giving a sense of sort of payoff to a lot of the things that are happening now 
Yeah, absolutely. This season's all about that. Mm, You know, it's, it's, you mentioned, uh, Mormont. It got me thinking about when, when, when Sansa and Arya were talking and they mentioned Liana Mormont. Right. It almost made me forget. I'm like, oh my God, that's right. What Lady Liana think? (laughs) That's, yeah. And that's Jorah's relative. I can't, I don't even remember how close they are. It must be. A nephew? A niece even? Maybe. Maybe Maybe a niece cousin second cousin i don't know but they're related i'm like okay so the mormonts are still in play here and i yeah we got talk of jorah mormont we saw Uh jorah and talk of liana mormont it's quite interesting because they're not a disgraced house per se but no definitely not with what jorah did and with um him kind of his allegiance to the knight's watch and being the lord commander there they're almost like a black sheep house not not that they're bad but they're just they're kind of on the back burner and I guess what that's reminding us when you talk about Liana Mormon is there is a future there for that house. We're concerned about what's going to happen to all these old houses where people have died. But there are oh. other houses whose time might be coming. I yeah. hate to go into something like this. This may be reading way too much into it, but I wonder if there's any symbolism because, they're, of course, their family sigil being the bear. Yeah. Uh, uh. The, zo- the zombified polar bear coming at them oh, being like man. a... A rotted be- version of the of their family, you know. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I think this is maybe. reaching. No, this may maybe, be reaching. Maybe it just but... foreshadows a dead Jorah. No, come. Yeah. If you, if you wrote that in a literature essay, I would give you marks for symbolism. I'd be like, yes, good analysis. <laughs> so go with it. Uh, they're first right, cousins, we'll by the way, according oh, to okay. uh, Wikia. Okay. I did think That's it was so the funny. ultimate guilt trip as well. Like, what would Liana think? Mm-hmm. That little girl? Mm-hmm. And I was yeah. just like, oh, she's, totally younger you. she's younger than you were. When, yeah, exactly. But they're just different. And and San- I agree with, like, Sansa's grown up. She's doing so well. And I was so mad at Arya. Come on, can't you see she's... Be mad think, at little I think that's the thing is Arya yeah, just comes off right. as the immature little sister. She comes off as this like, is just no. what Cersei would want us to be fighting. Mm. Yeah, well, I'm gonna it kill is you. Like, I'm gonna kill you. Yeah, she's like, I don't fucking care. I'm gonna kill <laughs> you. You did this, and All you just I need think is your face. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I don't think Arya understands that there are other ways to suffer. I think she's she's living in a world of violence, whereas yeah. what Sans has lived through is a very it's different politics. kind of horror. A oh, yeah, political yeah. horror and a sexual horror, and I just think, you know, Arya, right. grow up, read the room. So I guess that ties in with family <laughs> as well, because she's basically being like a pain in the ass. But um, yeah, so those kind of things. I thought that was quite an interesting line to mm-hmm. to carry through the episode. Also, this is also a good reminder of how young these two girls both are. Oh yeah. Yes, right. they've both had yeah. to mature very quickly for their ages, uh, but. As you were saying all of that, I'm like, oh my god, that's right. I mean, again, uh, Maisie Williams, Arya, she looks a lot like my youngest daughter, so it's always a little unnerving for me. <laughs> um, especially Uh-oh. on this one, I was like, yeah, well, yeah, kind of. Uh, that I was like, oh. Hmm. If she starts yeah, wanting right. to go to like weird summer camps where she's like, I don't know, it's just somewhere. It's like sword fighting and stuff. We're Maybe learning carving, going- yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Maybe well, don't matter. Don't worry. With how young they are and how much, you know, how impressionable and everything they both are still, um, it's tragic that they're not just working together as well because they could both learn so much from each other about the di- that- totally different styles of leadership and uh, strategy that they've learned that, like, combine those together and it would be super powerful. And that's exactly what Tyrion explicitly says to Danny, which I think is so cool when she's like, oh, sympathizing with your family, are you, or whatever way she phrased it and he's like well yeah actually because to understand your enemy you have to 
you have to siding think like with them. your family you have yeah siding with your family and he, yeah. he's like uh yeah in this case yeah because i need to know and it's that maturity that is lacking from the start girl's interactions on aria's part because she's like totally. why would you ever you know no 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 so um yeah that's that's my number two <laughs> it's it's the sun Fantastic. is just coming up i'm still like i'm almost finished oh, my teas so i'll get more coherent you know we're soon. safe <laughs> no, you, you've been very coherent and as you're getting more coherent i'm drinking more wine so <laughs> it's becoming this wonderfully inverse sort of thing going on <laughs> beautiful by the end of the podcast i'll be the last one standing hello <laughs> something <laughs> like, like i that, said yeah. lucy did a great job last podcast so i knew she was going to deliver big this time too no you guys no <laughs> <laughs> jason what's your number two My, okay so i loved everything <laughs> with the whites aka the game of thrones zombies yeah. in this episode we talked about the bear uh i liked that they went zombie hunting even though it might not it's kind of a crazy idea and they happened to find this like marching group of whites with one lone white walker and i did think it was a little silly that they killed him and it just so happened that he turned all of them except for one that's How pretty cool convenient. was that, though? It that was, was cool that awesome. they all dropped, yeah. So there's, I think we're learning something about them now. Even at one yeah. point, well, never, oh, never mind. Keep going, sorry. Well, yeah, let's talk <laughs> about the nature, because we, yeah. you know, we're so used to the, the Walking Dead zombies, and yeah, these are yeah. not them. They're uh, magical, and they're a white, actually. Some people I notice online are spelling it, W H I T E S. Right. Good. Good point, but Jason. These yeah, are is... W I G H T mm-hmm. whites. There. Yeah, it's not the whites. It's whites. Yeah. yeah. They might be white Jesus supremacists, Christ. but it would still be W I G H T. Dead lives matter, bro. <laughs> They're uh, spirit, ghost, or other supernatural beings, but they um, they don't have the same rules as um, as walkers or zombies. They no. like. You know, I, the hound actually got bitten, I think. And that doesn't mean anything because I think you need a white walker to turn a dead person into a white. Yeah. yeah. And Although, half of them were like missing half their heads and stuff. Yeah. And they're skeletal Sorry, like uh, Jason and the Argonauts or something. Right. How, okay. Just, just again, pause just to give absolute uh, to uh, that one. The fir- the one that that Sandor's throwing the rock at and it hits the jaw. Oh my the god! first yeah. one to walk oh, yeah. out onto the with the big oversized <laughs> He's boots. He's like, "Hey, the- yeah, yeah. Exactly. Oh, no. why don't you do that? <laughs> that the ice didn't break. Everything about that dude. That was hilarious. I'm assuming it was. And I'm like, but was you awesome. couldn't just leave well enough alone, could you? And then Had my to. friend who was I was watching it with is like, "Yeah, he never does. He jabs at everything. Yeah, he's, he's like a petulant yep, child." It reminded me of Carl with the the zombie yes. stuck in the mud who got out and killed Dale. Yeah, and I liked that one that screamed, you know, Rah! for his yeah. friends. Yeah. That was pretty yeah. cool. Stay and, in the house, uh, Sandor. And I think you know, I really feel like Game of Thrones does zombies better than The Walking Dead in general. Probably the budget <laughs> has something to do with that, but it's also you know, the more that The Walking Dead goes on, I'm like, maybe they should have had fast zombies because if if you're going to try to keep manufacturing ter- ter- terrifying situations, the fast ones are a lot more scary. Yeah, I miss those they, Darabont zombies, man. That had like a little bit of intelligence yeah, left, and like absolutely, yeah. yeah. I thought these were more in the style of kind of 28 Days Later or Train to Busan. Yeah, and the way they growl. Yeah, I like that a lot. One guy screamed when they captured him and alerted all the rest. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That was that scream. Now, here is something I noticed with that zombie. 
or the white, excuse me, when, when Sandar kicks him, did you notice, this is when they're all surrounded, he kicks him and all of a sudden you hear like this rumbling through the yeah. whole they're all white network crowd. It got me together. thinking. Yeah, yeah, it's like a hive mind, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, right. But oh, but are yeah. they only linked together with the ones who share mutual resurrection juju? You know, right. like Potentially, the way that we like saw the, the one somebody that said by the same necromancer. Uh, it was kind of yeah. funny. They're yeah, like, yeah, yeah. you know, what are we going to do here? Oh, why don't we just uh, go after those guys? And then it's like it was almost like a Naked Gun episode or something. They're like all of a sudden you see the four white walkers just a few feet away. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but he's like that guy right there turned all of these. Now, I don't know how he Beric, could have known yeah. that or if he was serious, but it did just sort of give the impression that the night King turned most of them. Well, well, he's well like, we saw hard home, hard he home. lifted his arms and they just whoom, rose in yeah. mass. And that's another he's- thing that's different with these zombies than walking dead is that they're totally under the control of the white walkers as right, we saw yeah, with the, the chains. Necromancy aspect. Yeah, I mean he's he's patient zero basically, isn't he? The night, uh, the night yeah. thing. He is he's the first. Yeah, yeah. Have, have any of you read the um, the Passage series by Justin Cronin? It's kind of zombie vampires. No. Um, it's a really it. Shout out to anyone who is into that kind of thing. It's really really good. Series. Our friend Lisa um, just sent me the first book of that. It's it's really good, and it's a really similar system of how the beasts get turned into what they are. They each have kind of a a father beast so there's seven of them and they all they all communicate through this kind of hive mind and i quite like the idea that the whites and the white walkers kind of have that too i think that's pretty terrifying mm-hmm. definitely and thank you lisa for the book yay <laughs> <laughs> similar to stephen king's cell by the way which is a great a good book if the zombies are all kind of hive mindy in that <clears throat> and yes. then the last thing it's just the whole sequence with they're on this little island in the middle of a frozen over lake and, and a hordes of whites surrounding them. And then the fight was just so spectacular. I love, love seeing that. It was a little ridiculous how many there were, but um, it was still it was cool. Really, seeing really the hound cool with the hammer. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Awesome. Smashing the they're, ground. They're calling yeah. this the battle of the frozen lake by, by okay. the way. What, and uh, then the red shirts, the there were some red shirts that just got swallowed up by hordes of <laughs> That reminded me of the Battle of the Bastards when John was almost buried alive. Yeah, yeah. Oh, even saw a spray of blood like coming up out of when when they ripped into the one. There's like one of them just looking up at the camera, going, "Ah!" Oh, it was it was brilliant. I am confused, a little confused, and this isn't a nitpick. This is genuine confusion about their relationship with water. Um, so they couldn't cross water, but yet when they go in it, they don't seem to die per se. They seem to be able to live in it. Well, they didn't want to cross because the lake was going to break, but then I think it got cold enough that it froze over. And yeah, was solid yeah, no, no, I got, I got oh, that bit, got but that. I was just, yeah, so, no, yeah, so yeah. I was like, no, no, I got that bit. I just wondered when they went down, like when John went underwater with some of them, they didn't really seem to drown. They seemed to keep going. And I was just a bit like, oh, okay, so do they, can they exist under the water? And I they think just so. Yeah, yeah they up? seem to be popping up out of the water to grab Tormund and, uh, yeah, yeah, down, that was yeah. the other thing that I got. I thought that was quite horrifying. Oh, oh God, I thought it was I like thought Friday he was the thirteenth. I thought he was him. gone. I did not like that one bit. I, I was very no, no. upset. That was pissing me off. I was yelling at my TV. I'm like, oh, me too, no, screaming at the TV. Save him, Hound! Sandor, The more I see Tormund, the more I love Tormund. I love Tormund's facial expression is like how I feel most days. Just that bewildered, like, what's happening? I'm like, yep, that's my life. Yeah, he's always got the wild eyes. 
just but bring up the he every time he gets teased or insulted he's just tickled by it which i which i love i love yeah, yeah when he's he was like talking called the a hound. cocksucker and he just laughs it off by the, the way jason like, Fuck off. Uh, the thing we were talked about the thing yeah. earlier there is that prequel that came out a few yeah. years ago he's in it oh Tormented. i might watch no that. i have to say i love that movie actually i really okay. really like it I'm and when check you check it out because you, you know this girl cool. that's in she was in fargo season three she was in mary uh, elizabeth winstead lane yeah i, I really like her so i gotta check it out that's ramona she flowers also man. in the um critically acclaimed uh, fate of the furious he plays a bad guy is in he? fast eight yeah Ooh, he plays Tormund? a bad guy oh. yeah yeah, he's nice. great in the well, thing because he's, he's European. He's inherently evil if it's a Fast and the Furious movie, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so. Sorry, that's not right true. Missandei's not evil in the Fast and the Furious films, but yeah. Anyway, so she's in, in that, that too. Also. Oh, cool. Yeah, hmm. she's like a like a, a sexy hacker in a, the Fast. And then and the Furious I've only seen the third one, Tokyo Drift. Sorry, let's not. <laughs> I got to get into the. I haven't seen any. Uh, the last, <laughs> just the one thing I wanted to touch on is. Um, We've seen Jon Snow facing totally impossible odds or just squaring off against basically a horde in Battle of the Bastards where it's like, well, he's dead, but then he gets saved because his army comes charging in. And here he gets saved by Mr. Deus Ex Machina, uh, Benjamin Stark, who saved uh, Bran. And so I saw that, Lucy, you had said that his (laughs) killing style was similar to some kind of a Scottish tradition or something. Yes. Yeah, there's this thing in uh, Stonehaven, which is, I was actually just up near there at the weekend. Um, Every Hogmanay slash New Year's Eve, they do a fireball procession, which is like little cages filled with fire that you kind of spin in interesting patterns and things. Mm. And it it's a pretty relatively new thing it's like 200 300 years yeah in scotland that's relatively new <laughs> um, like, um but it does date back i think to some kind of pagan traditions as well so i was watching that like that would be a cool way to kind of looks just fight. like it too yeah and it's quite medieval as well with the um this is going to embarrass the fact that i'm a medievalist and can't remember the name of them but the balls with spikes on that you can spin around and mace um, morning star yes morning all star. of those let's go with all of them um <laughs> But yeah, if you're ever in Scotland over New Year, uh, head up to the northeast. And they also do a thing a couple of weeks later, further up the coast, called Burning the Clavy, which is like a kind of, it's sort of, I don't want to say wicker man, because, you know, we don't burn anyone as far as I know, but it's... Uh, <laughs> Nick, Nicholas Cage isn't there either. Yeah, the booze, the booze. Um, it's, <laughs> it's sort of a pagan fire festival thing. So it was quite cool to see that. I was like, oh, Benjamin, maybe you're secretly a bit Scottish. That's cool. <laughs> it was cool. Why didn't Benjamin just get on the horse, though? Come on. Oh, my God. Why yeah. the fuck not? That was such a Titanic moment. <laughs> I'm like, no there's time. room for both of you. <laughs> That's There's no time. Let me explain. If I get on the horse, it will take at least three seconds, and by that time, they'll probably get us. So I'm just going to stand here. It was There's literally... not enough room on that wooden door. I mean, on that horse. Yeah, literally, that that really did annoy me. I was like, oh, I think because I quite like Benjamin. I was like, oh, but also, you know, <laughs> I always get the feeling going to Scotland, I would just die. Really? <laughs> <laughs> I'd be in heaven with all the scotch. Well, I was going to say, I'd actually probably just drink myself to death. But other than that... Both are are possible. (laughs) We're actually super friendly. Like, we sound scary, but we're not. We're actually super friendly. Oh, yeah. No, I... I, Never mind. I love the Scots. Okay. The temperature. Um, I really do. Jason, did you have anything more on that one? Nope. Duncan, 
All number right, two. my number two is the dialogue throughout the entire episode, but mainly between the East Watch Seven, just the different the ways that they were. Yeah, there were different things that they were talking about. Um, yeah, <laughs> we had you know Tormund talking about making babies with Brienne, so sweet, and the Hound shitting all over Tormund, and they're like, you know, he's he's not putting up with any of his bullshit. He's talking down to him, and Tormund loves it because he's like, this guy's yeah. cool, you know. I I can dig this guy. He's yeah. he's a real guy, you know. <laughs> My favorite dick? was when he said, uh, "Yeah, we- <laughs> you're you're with fucking Brienne of Tarth." Well, not yet, but I see the way she looks at me. Yeah, when how does she look at you one. like she wants to carve you and eat your liver? You, you do, do know. know her. <laughs> <laughs> that, was the best. that was the most romantic moment of the entire episode, right there. <laughs> I love just yeah, how excited so Tormund was. He's like, "Oh yeah, yeah," and I was like, "Oh, that's." <laughs> quite endearing <laughs> really and then he almost died and you're like no i know no, no that was a horrific way he almost died it's still i'm gonna have nightmares of this. screaming like, for help help yeah. me brutal. help me oh man and then oh, the hound giving Jenry shit for oh that was you were just saying huh for whinging you know oh, yes. help is moving and you're complaining he's died seven times <laughs> <laughs> you don't, don't hear see him, him complaining. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, picking on the new guy. Um, and then even um, Thoros gives him a drink, and he's like, good lad, and then just like bounces yeah. right off of him. Kind of and body he's all, checks him a little she, bit. she got me in bed, and I was naked. Well, it sounds all right so far. <laughs> yeah. Was that Barrick or Sander that said? I think that was, that was Sander. Sander, Sander yeah. Yeah. Oh, that was so funny. We fun. found out Tormund likes dick. Um, you know, it's the word. I think he likes yeah, yeah, the word. Yeah, yeah, the word. The yeah, word. Right. Yeah, it's, it's, it makes it very me. clear. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it, yeah, just having all of them together, they decided, well, let's just pair off different pairs and see how right. they play off of each other. And I thought it worked really well. It's Everybody's like, picking on Gendry too. Like even like they're talking about he's you know the best things to do in the north are um, fighting something and fucking right. And yeah. Gendry's like, there's not a living woman within a hundred miles of here. And he's like, we got to make do with what we got. You know, like, oh. And when Gendry, they sent him off, you know, go back to East Watch, you're the fastest one. And he goes running off. I was like, we won't see him for four more seasons. Yeah. <laughs> if that were any other season, yes. But now. Now. Yeah. <laughs> right. What about Jorah? Jorah having that chat with Thoros about Thoros's uh, amazing moment of bravery. Right. Yeah. I How drunk you were you? I didn't even remember seen. it. <laughs> I don't remember doing it. <laughs> yeah. I thought yeah. you were the bravest man I'd ever seen. Oh, just no. I was just the drunkest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, Tormund's talk about, oh, it smells like pig shit down south. <laughs> and, yeah. you know, John's like, you've never been down south. He's like, I've been to Winterfell. He's like, that's the <laughs> north. <laughs> now, now, this, I have to say, I, I am so in Gendry's corner in this because i have never seen snow either what i've seen oh, yeah. some oh, i've wow. seen some like crunchy bullshit you know at the end of the like just ice stuff but i've never seen snow i'm i'm i grew up in southern california i lived in hawaii i used to vacation in mexico um what if i like dragged se- you to tahoe would you be like no i want to stay pure and never see snow he may no i'd go i'd go and i have the beach, car though, to go everybody's Everybody's been trying to get me to go uh, for for years, and people are like, "Dude, you have a Jeep. Why are you not going up to Tahoe?" And I'm like, "Why would I want to do that when there's mud?" Um, so yeah, I've, I, I'm afraid of snow. I wouldn't know I what to do with it. Cannot then... get my head around that. That's insane. Like every when when I was young, when I was a kid, when I was at school, um, we <laughs> got like two or three weeks off every year because of snow because people just couldn't physically get to the school. 
Like it was yeah. So normal. why would you want to live there? I don't understand. I, well, I, I like to I, live places with sunshine. Because <laughs> that's when you put the you know you put the shag rug down. You got a nice fire going with your lady. That's in the you know the snow. No, it's like places like Boston. I love Boston, and I would actually consider moving there in a heartbeat if it wasn't for the winters. I'm just, I'm a, I also have something called Raynaud's disease where my, I have circulation issues in my hands and my feet. Oh. Mary has this, Jason. So I'll actually like turn all blue and possibly get gangrenous if I'm in the cold too long. But, um, but can that's I an, say, an excuse. Can I call that's you an sweet excuse. summer child? Is that acceptable? <laughs> yes. Like, I would love it because I'm so far removed from a sweet summer child, but please, yes. <laughs> <laughs> the summer part is accurate. It's okay. Peter refers to me as a wildling because I come from the north, so it's fine. <laughs> like, Are you kissed by fire? Uh, sadly not, um, but I've, I've kind I of am, got the grumpy so. stoicism of the the north saw taken. All right. Like Looks like we have our ice and fire. I'm feeling like we're the third and fourth wheel here, Duncan. Uh, <laughs> I do have a red beard. I, I, was, oh, you do. You do. So you well, there's there's far, the Norwegian so. in me as well. I'm, yeah, but um, Duncan, anything else? Yeah, I liked the part where um, where John calls her Danny. Oh yeah, oh my god, hilarious. that was wonderful. And she's like, "Oh, who called me Danny last? My fucking brother. He's a douchebag. He's like, so <laughs> <laughs> <"No, laughs> not Danny." Yeah. And I didn't he realize sucked. that because I I think I call her that sometimes, and now I feel like I should not. <laughs> right now, I know I I do it all the time too. I yeah. So I, every time I say it now, I'm like I'm thinking twice about it. It's, mm-hmm. it's so funny that because we've never heard anybody call her Danny in years, if ever. I don't know. if he did. Every article, every article calls her Danny. That I, mean, I wondered I mean, if it was the, a bit of like fan service there, having it in. Uh, yeah, yeah. I thought. That I was bet great. you. Um, I think Jorah did sometimes. Maybe not. I don't know. That'd be too familiar. He call, he, Jorah always familiar. calls her Khaleesi. Khaleesi, yeah. my queen, my queen, <laughs> my queen of the friend zone, Khaleesi. Oh, fuck. oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, and this is the only season I've been able to stand that guy. Every every season before that, his voice just does my head in. I don't know why. There's something about Jorah? it. Jorah? Yeah. Oh, I love his voice. There's so this funny. sketch on a comedy show years ago called uh, The Classically Trained Actor, and everything he said was like, I am a mm. classically trained actor. So it would be things like, please remove your car from the garage, like that kind of thing. And <laughs> right. Jorah just reminds Perfect me of that. It's just, oh, he, it does my head in. But he's better oh, this he season. Seems, he seems so terribly romantic this season. I don't know, there's something... I, I, I agree with you. I actually really like him a lot more this season as well. Yeah. He doesn't seem to be pining as much, but more of a, I have done my duty sort of yeah. a thing. Yeah. Uh, which I've, is kind of cool. I've always liked Jorah, man. Digging mm. it. Oh, it was interesting that the Hound, you know, the Hound's such a gruff dude. Beric said at the end of the episode, we'll meet again, Clegane. And he was like, fucking hope not, you know? <laughs> like, but uh, but earlier, like, there was a moment of humanity right after Tormund, or right after, sorry, not Tormund, right after Thoros had, was, yeah. you know, discovered dead. Mm. And uh, the um, Beric covers his face and the Hound comes and crouches, dude, the, kneels dude, next to Dude, the Hound him. is dead. I'm sorry, you keep saying the Hound. The Hound is dead. <laughs> yeah yeah true sandor <laughs> comes over and crouches down kneels next to him and tells him you know they say it's not a bad way to die it's ice you know freezing to death in term like you know in, rela- in relation to being flayed by the boltons or burned alive by the mad king or something like that like you know they say you go you know you, you stop feeling the cold before you die and it's like sort yeah. of a peaceful way you just kind of go yeah. to sleep so it was interesting that the hound was 
trying to comfort Beric there, like doing something comforting instead of being a dick for once, basically. It was just neat. Yeah. A lot of cool, like little cool things in this episode. But yeah, that's my number two. Nice. Really? Very nice. My number two is essentially the same thing. Um, for me, nice. it was the various one-on-ones that we got throughout this entire episode. And I felt like almost every, that's what almost every scene was in mm. this episode was, was a one-on-one between two different people. And as you're saying, the East watch seven, those were in particular, my favorite, because I feel like we've got a little bit of character development and relationship development within each one of those characters, whether it's Thoris and Jorah or yeah. I mean, we, we've already gone through each one of them for the most part, Arya and Sansa, Sansa mm-hmm. and, and little finger, even Brienne and Sansa, you know, everything was paired off in this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, but specifically what I really did flag was torment, I thought he was the pinnacle of the episode. And because he was getting so much airtime, when it did come to that scene where he was being dragged oh. underwater oh. and that yeah. fight, I thought, oh, my God, this is it. And he was going out in such a, I, I think, Jason, you may have mentioned it, almost like a, a, a slasher pick horror movie totally. sort of way to yeah. go where i was expecting the, to see like like jojin in the past where the starting to see i was expecting the hands to reach up and start disemboweling him, him you know yeah. ripping him up and, and the blade and the, right on his neck and oh, yeah man. the fact that that didn't happen is just a, a testament to the the power of torment giants bane <laughs> yeah um, you don't get the name giants bane for no reason and also it was more surprising as well because he was just speculating about the future and children and it's yeah. like oh it was all it was everything yeah, if this was the walking yeah. dead he'd be gone this Why? would be yes. gone if this were the walking dead what they were teasing this... us with that too yep absolutely yeah. what i thought was especially powerful as well though is that he's this powerhouse he's this massive guy who can take on anything but the way the whites were working was to work as almost like little ants. You know, they, one got the yeah, neck, one yeah, got the arms. Yeah, and yeah, that's, that's so, so much creepier because you just become overwhelmed rather than, you know, oh, yeah, mano yeah. e mano. It's kind of like... Yeah, it's like the, the riddle, would you rather fight one giant duck or 50 duck-sized horses, <laughs> yeah. right? <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> a horse-sized duck or 50 duck-sized yeah, horses. Yeah. I like, I, is that a well-known riddle? I've literally never heard that before. <laughs> we used to ask that to the actors at the Walker Stalkers... panels oh i think i might have heard okay yeah it's ringing bells now but um yeah i thought that was it was an it was a different it was a contrast horror which i thought was quite cool and it was another good moment of bros saving bros which is like the the theme of this episode is bros save bros as far as the relationships you know there was there was um you know animosity between tormund and jorah between the hound and tormund you know wildlings versus like southerners like this, all these disparities and and divisions, and they really seem to all band together and overcome them one at a time in this yeah. episode, which was really cool to see. Yeah, they got along really well, actually. Actually, well, just you're... to correct you, Lucy, yeah? Lucy, I have to correct you. This episode, yes, bros saving bros, that is one thing, but we also saw one massive hoe saving all bros. Oh. <laughs> oh. True, true. <laughs> Bitches get shit Except done, for John. Though. She didn't save John. Oh, oh, that was but heartbreaking. Didn't she, didn't she Duncan? Uh, yeah, didn't she, she save John? <laughs> she, she did. Okay. What? <laughs> <laughs> then the woman comes in at the end. Um, That's my right. Three. Um, no, you're number one. My number. Oh, f- oh that cup it's of tea morning. seems like a we long understand. time ago. Um, okay, so I have. I had a few because I had a feeling we would cross over. Um, I'm gonna go with the Zeds. I'm gonna go with the Whites. Um, Generally, I just thought the way they were more human in their movement was fantastic. Um, 
the idea that they can sort of act in this hive way is just so interesting to me because it makes it a much more sinister and less erratic threat because I think the the logical thing would be that there's this mass of kind of wild awful zombies across the wall but actually what they are is quite is it is an army it's not just a you know yeah. yeah and that's that's terrifying um and I think that the costuming and design of this whole episode was amazing um, I particularly yeah. enjoyed the return of kind of northern wear, which I thought was quite good. You know, the boots and the the big jackets and so on. And Danny's um, uh, nice winter coat too was I've, pretty nice. I've got it written Gorgeous. down as Danny's uh, Zoolander jacket. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was pretty awesome. Totally was Zoolander. Like derelict. Wow. <laughs> well, there was a little derelict going the, the on. The white derelict derelict my balls. You Lucy. can derelict. I can derelict my own balls. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so you. I enjoyed that and the design of the whites was cool I thought you know sometimes with like The Walking Dead if it's a big crowd you, it's, it's kind of much of a muchness but with that there was so many kind of different horrible mutated bodies I thought it was really quite powerful um, and the guy who yeah. got his jaw decked out by yeah. the snowball was just hilarious just like huh <laughs> like, yeah. um, now all, all I can think now is the Night King I'm just thinking but all you need to defeat him is to turn left. Yeah. <laughs> what is this? A castle for ants? And they're like... <laughs> oh my god, oh, this brilliant. is a Daddy, stupid. Unleash Magnum. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, Jon Snow has got Magnum down, man. That's a Yeah, he does. He lives in Magnum. Magnum. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, the Night King has a little, little version of his own there, I would say. Yeah, he does he actually does. look quite like Mugatu. Okay, yeah, I'm going to go down the rabbit hole and say he does look a bit like Mugatu as well, which kind of... Anyway, Zoolander, <laughs> great film. Watch it if you haven't. Um, yeah, love it. And yeah, I just I felt that the zombies really paid off in this episode. I think we got a different sense of the White Walkers and I really... The White Walkers and the Whites. Um, and I felt that the threat became much more potent um, not just because of the dragon, but also because of the way that they conducted themselves. Um, yeah, so that was good for me. That was my number three. And the the, de- the derelict jacket and costuming was the other part of that. <laughs> the Night King developed the first keyboard tie. <laughs> Jason, what's your number one? My, we touched on this a little bit, but I the exchange with Tyrion and Danny, especially the part where it started to get a bit heated and she said, one could be forgiven for thinking you're taking your family side in this debate. And he said, I am taking their side. You need to take your enemy's side if you're going to see things the way they do. And you need to see things the way they do if you're going to anticipate their actions and respond effectively and beat them. Now, I think he's conflating two points there because you need to understand your enemy to beat them, which means getting, you know, knowing their motivations and their point of view, but taking their side sort of, that means that you're standing up for them or being compassionate or whatever. Mm. And, yeah, you need to um, understand their side for sure. Y- yeah. yeah. He's more taking their POV, like their point of view rather than. Like well, he's, trying, he's yeah. helping them, you know, yeah. and, and, yeah. and maybe that's the right thing to do. I mean, I, I, I think maybe putting those two in a cell might've been okay, but I also thought, Maybe this is the time for Danny to just show some real strength. I don't know, yeah. but I, I it, whatever the case, I still love that Tyrion is arguing for a, a more measured uh, approach, and Danny is quick to just want to go off and 
fight and i think that they're um well at least the idea is that they complement each other well and they'll be a powerful force although mm. so far they uh have lost some armies and a dragon and they've done what they've come out ahead what did they come out ahead on oh yeah when she actually did go in and burn up the lannisters so uh i don't know i mean I think Tyrion is great and I and I like the measured approach but it still remains to be seen whether it's he's going to be a huge asset or not right There's yeah. almost this like with a with a trio um there's almost this like thing of the head the hands and the heart and in a way Tyrion's right. the head I would say Jon is kind of the hands cuz he's the, the action man and Danny's totally. the heart in that she's got this this temper and this fire to her and so the empathy yeah, exactly. And it's kind of interesting watching the three interplay because not one of them on their own will win this war. Because John will always make stupid decisions and well, yeah. not and there's stupid the decisions. three the three heads of the dragon right there. The three exactly. different aspects of rulership of leadership. Yeah. Maybe that's what it means. Maybe it's not the yeah. literal dragons. That's true. Yeah. But I mean the little dra- literal dragons would be awesome. <laughs> like, Agreed, oh. but we 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 see no, the own one right now. So Yeah, know. exactly. I, just, I love that Tyrion uh di- just that one little thing where he said I am taking their side like he didn't back down from right. her. And that And that's that key. Was nice, yeah. You can't just be surrounded by a bunch of yes men right. otherwise you'll do a bunch of dumb shit. Um and as yeah. far as Tyrion and the toasted Tarleys, um <laughs> I, maybe he wouldn't have been as mad if he had the full uh, spectrum of knowledge regarding their uh, their heirs available in their house because, you know, he thought that it was extinguishing House Tarly with Sam being in the in the Night's Watch and Dickon being the only heir. But if we remember last year, Sam brought Gilly and baby Sam to his house and claimed mm-hmm. that baby Sam was his son. Yep. So that would leave baby Sam in line of succession for inheriting the lordship of House Tarly, which is hilarious because it means a wildling is going to be the lord of House Tarly, and, and Randall Tarly hates the wildlings. I could see that. We yeah, are happening. also forgetting Tala, Tala Tarly, his sister. Oh, yes. Yeah. So I don't, I, I mean, we, we've not seen her in seasons, so we don't And know. there's a question, uh, who would it pass to? Would it be a male heir? Would, it, would they pass it to the female heir? Who'd be the lady of... Of House yeah, my, Tarly. my first thought was imagining Wonder. Randall Tarley, but she's a woman. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's Tarly. a great name, Tala Tarley. Yeah, that is Tala. Cool. Yeah, yeah, I had to look it up. I mean, I'm, I'm acting like, uh, guys, uh, are we forgetting about Tala? As though like we should all know who she is. But I didn't. <laughs> right, know yeah. sister. <laughs> I didn't remember her name either. No, but it's funny that because I guess she is head of house at the moment. Um, if the you know, as far as she's concerned, you know, Sam's disinherited and uh, mm. Dickon is dead. But she was actually quite friendly to Gilly. I think, like she and her mother, quite friendly. Be, yeah, they yeah. were perfectly pleasant and lovely towards Gilly. Yeah. And mother, just, what about her? Would she? Well, yeah. Maybe she's in charge. Acting lord. Yeah. yeah. That's a good question, actually. Yeah. Yeah, I was wondering about that too. I mean, I'm British, and I can't even tell you how the laws of succession really work here. And it's like, I don't know, like, pretty stupid either way, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I had, just a little right. bit about Tyrion there. Mm. Excellent. Okay. Duncan, numero uno. Before I give my number one, um, I just want to mention something real quick. We talked about the dragon and what a major loss that was for everybody this week, and um, obviously really heart-wrenching and sad. 
But I wanted to bring up that we had a listener who lost a good friend of his this week as well. Uh-huh. His 15-year-old dog, yeah, Mary Nick. Jane, our friend Nick. So I just wanted to give him a no. shout out and let him know that um, we all feel your pain this episode, brother. So oh. just hang in there and uh, keep your head up. Absolutely. Yeah. It's rough, man. Oh, it's yeah. horrible. We're sorry. So sorry. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um Okay, so my number one is the John and Danny stuff. Ice and Fire um, finally coming together. I thought it was really cool how, you know, she was so motivated to get up there and save the day. And mm-hmm. she finally lands and they make eye contact first. And John runs over and reaches up to try to grasp her hand and he can't reach. And then he has to save everybody. And it's like they're so close to, you know... Mm-hmm connecting physically flying and off into the sunset. like flying off you know and <laughs> yeah then i was expecting him to fly off on Regal after that like oh no he's got to mount his own dragon to get out of here yeah you know I mean? which would have been real cool but um after he tumbles into the water um she and she's forced to fly off and she's just distraught on her face and she's perched atop the wall waiting for him which is really cool like she could just couldn't leave mm-hmm. without him and uh that scene reminded Sitting. me of Princess Leia for some reason, just staring off yeah. at the end of Empire Strikes Back with Han nice. Solo and Carbonite. Yeah, <laughs> good call. I love you. I know. Oh. <laughs> there was something so just vulnerable about the way she was like, just a minute more or whatever. You know, yeah. yeah. Just, and speaking just, of vulnerability, she when she said, I hope I deserve it to John after. Right. I, I, oh. I didn't mean to stare your thunder, but you know, he goes ahead and says he'll accept her as queen. No, that, no, that that vulnerability we don't see very much in her anymore, and that just no. shows how much she respects trusts him and trusts yeah. him. Yeah, yeah. That's that the was thing actually too. The, that was honestly the first time I felt genuine chemistry between the two of them. Yeah, in, in that yeah. moment at the end there with the whole hand very holding good. first him I grabbing really, her hand, then her grabbing his hand. Yes, I was going to mention that too. Yes, that, that may really very cool. well have been like the most romantic moment of the the series so far. I was kind of like. Okay, I know we're cheering for incest, but that kind of rocks. Okay, <laughs> we're so. just gonna have to accept that as normalcy. For pretty the much, I'm having a little bit of a hard great. time with it, but that was pretty. That was pretty sexy going on there, and I think that I had also I like her, it, her seeing all the scars and and like as you talked about, Jason, the the, the respect, uh, gaining the respect of these two. I think yeah. when she saw all of that, she's kind of like, oh shit, he's been through some he's been through the shit, you know, so, yeah. uh, he has beautiful. been wounded. He literally has been stabbed in the heart because look, that's a really unhealed wound. Yeah. Um, yeah, and her face when she saw it too, is just amazing. And her, I, I feel like saying, I, I, now I've seen, we had to come to I see it. Promise now that I'm going to fight the night King and yeah. destroy them. Yeah. That's when John then can accept her as the queen. That's why, yeah. because now, yeah. she, you know, and I feel more. like for her to accept him as a potential mate, she had to accept her first, essentially. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, so I felt that played in there. But yeah, um, when she, you know, John says, "I'm sorry," like I wish I could take it back. I wish we never came up here. And she says, "You know, no, I'm. I don't regret I'm not it. Sorry, like, yeah. I'm not sorry. Yeah, I had to. You have it's the type of thing you have to see it to believe it." I think that was like a double double reference to the whites and to like his scars and everything on his on his oh nice torso. Nice. Like, oh, they've been playing like, like this emotional Jets and Sharks thing where they're like doing this dance around each other emotionally, <laughs> you know, and finally now it's like, I've just met a girl named Maria. Yeah. And it's Danny and he's already <laughs> into it. So 
Considering the like sped up pace lately, I yeah, think they've yeah. done a pretty good job of of yes. showing that courtship. Yeah, I me they, too. Yeah, I, I really so. like it. And I think his his apology meant a world to her because it it admits yeah. his flaw. Well, it wasn't even a flaw. I mean, she she said no. herself, you know, I wouldn't change it, but it showed his sensitivity towards what's important to her. Yeah. yeah, and it was his instinct wasn't to say be defensive. His instinct was to be, oh my god, I'm so sorry, and that I think that would have really touched her. Well, and also all of these That's insecure me. sons of all these un- insecure sons of bitches, they all want validation, right? So at this point, he's giving her some validation. She's giving him some validation. There's this mutual respect happening <laughs> between the two. Um, which is really, I think, and I think that was the key. That's always, that's probably always what's been missing in almost all of these relationships in all of Game of Thrones, except for Ned and Catelyn. They actually had respect for one another. So I don't know, maybe that's key to a relationship. Who definitely, yeah, Yeah, they, they (laughs) most definitely have a mutual relation, mutual respect. She considers him a hero. He considers her a hero, obviously. Um, flying in a fucking dragon. Hero Shmiro, she's had pain. He's had pain. That too. That's gonna. I mean, that's gonna bind somebody yeah, yeah, more yeah. than anything else. You know, they have all kinds Definitely. of reasons to. They do be hot for each other. They're both oh, young and good looking. Aunt and a nephew. It's <laughs> hot. You that's know. not exactly what I was thinking. What? No. <laughs> <laughs> I keep. I keep trying to justify it in my head. I'm like, but like you know, Danny's never met her brother, so it's kind of like. I mean, he was a lot older. I mean, it's older. like it's like you know. And then I'm like, oh, just fuck it. It's incest, but whatever. It's Genetics. <laughs> yeah, I, but it's it's. Lady Liza wanted to marry Sansa to Robin Aaron, her, her cousin. So it's not even like too far out for. Regular families. Tywin Lannister married his cousin Joanna. Yeah. Like so. I mean, it's, you know, it's pretty not normal. Like a... you know? <laughs> in yeah, in this, this war, in that world, yes, I think in our world, our brains are still trying to process because we're all like, eh, Appalachia. Um, <laughs> Duncan, was that everything on your number one? Let's see. There was one other moment which was really cool. Where yeah, first first he grabbed her hand, then she grabbed his hand, and then she was like, she kind of pulled back and was like, "You should rest." And um, as he closed his eyes, she sort of began to stand up and just for a millisecond, a micro expression, just a glimmer of of glee for like the interaction that they just had. And then it immediately turned back into like um, worry and and, you know, melancholy from the events that had just happened. But I think that Amelia Clark did just a spectacular job in this scene with her facial expressions and her expressiveness like this this go back and watch it right after she tells him to you know get some rest there's just a glimmer like the briefest little glimmer of happiness um and then she gets up to leave but it was it was really cool i just really liked their interaction they both gave good face this this episode i think like john's face when danny arrived in the battle was great it was that kind of yeah triumph yeah in the midst of all this chaos and yeah i think her her eyes are just like there's something about uh, Amelia Clark's eyes. You're just like, oh, yeah. It was brilliant that bit. And um, she, Danny, Danny only accepts suitors who are already on their knees. So now that now that John has bent the knee, uh, he's good to go. I did love that. <laughs> I did. I did love that line where he's like, I would bend the knee, but uh, yeah. That was funny. Oh, yeah. I felt so bad for Tyrion when she's like, oh, he's too little for me. Oh, buddy. He's used to it. <laughs> I know, but still. And the funny sure. thing about that, too, is that she doesn't even mean it. She's just coming up with something yeah, to say. Some yeah. excuse. He's like, you, you're busted. You like John. You know, yeah. she's like, yeah. no. no. I don't like John. 
This was my friend was trying to figure out who I like, so he just started naming girls. And the only one that I actually did like, I said no. And he's like, "Well, I know it's her because you—that was the only one you said no." And I was like, "Damn it!" Oh. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Same thing right here. Danny and John sitting in a tree. Aww. So yeah, that was cool. She's 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 gonna make the announcement that John has bent the knee, or that's what John thinks the announcement's gonna be, and instead she's gonna announce that they're betrothed, and he's gonna be like, "Whoa, okay." Wait, what happened? Hang on, what? Like when because he bent the knee, you know, theoretically, that's gonna have to that news is gonna have to come out, you know. But instead of coming out the way that he thinks, she's gonna interpret bending the knee as marriage proposal. So it's gonna no, that's gonna be the announcement instead. (laughs) (laughs) They gotta declare their love for one another. He's gotta grab her and. Pull her in and a nice big wet kiss or something. Yeah, that'd be cool. I could get behind that. God, you guys, you're such shippers. God, talk about being girly. Jeez. I just <laughs> usually I'm like usually Danny. Not, but... I'm just living vicariously Jason, you are the bro, biggest John and Danny snow, shipper. Do not yeah, say that you're not. You're you're like oh no. I'm <laughs> I'm usually not, but now but I have been with these two for sure. You totally are. It's really Rick funny. and Michonne, I was too. Yeah. Yeah. Really? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, you were, weren't you? Rick Schoen. <laughs> Rashon. 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 <laughs> yeah, so that's my number one. Very Ice nice. Fire Baby. Very nice. My number one was the Battle of the Frozen Lake, uh, and then I shifted it over to Danny and John, and then I've been sitting here <laughs> trying to think if there's anything else I can think of that we haven't fucking covered in this episode, but good God, we've already talked about this longer than the original episode actually went on. So, anybody have any notes? I had a couple of things. I knew you would. Just a couple, though. (laughs) So um, I thought it was interesting that Danny invoked her brother, and in the same episode, you know, she said that her uh, namesake died. Yeah, Yeah. that Viserion. And also, um, she also talked about Drogo, and there's Drogon. And then we have Rhaegal, who is named after Jon Snow's real father. And Danny's brother Rhaegar, which um, who was it said he didn't look like his look like his father. So Beric. it's sort of a the family thing <laughs> that we mentioned earlier in this podcast ties in with all the dragon names too. Yeah, so cool, man. <laughs> um, another thing, Danny mentioned that she might meet Cersei, and I hadn't even thought about that, but it sounds like there may be a meeting coming up because now they actually have to kind of negotiate with each other and not just fight. So that'll be pretty cool to see and you, and you know what's going to happen at that moment too is that cersei's going to realize that she misinterpreted the prophecy thinking that marjorie was a younger more beautiful queen and yeah. she's going to see uh, danny and be like fuck oh. i destroyed my biggest <laughs> potential ally yeah fucked myself right. over like somewhere yeah. in the afterlife marjorie's like screw you cersei <laughs> <laughs> did john Marjor- ever meet i think cersei? marjorie's hotter but that's okay John never really? met Cersei, but was near. They were in um, there here, yeah, yeah, during yeah, because yeah, he was still thought. the bastard. Yeah, he really? wanted you. Ned was careful to keep John away, knowing that he was a Targaryen kid, basically. Yeah, kept him out of sight of Robert. Like, sorry, hold on. Now I'm hung up on Jason saying, "Really, you think you think Marjorie was was? <laughs> yeah, you find her more attractive than uh, Amelia Clark? Well, kind of Natalie, Dor- Danny, excuse me, Daenerys, and and Marjorie. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, Danny's nothing to scoff at. 
They're both gorgeous. <laughs> absolutely. Oh, fair enough. I yeah, just, they're for both some gorgeous. reason, I was like, Abs- oh, wow. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, then last, I just, uh, I think it's cool that I thought this season would be more about winning the throne and the next would be about fighting the White Walkers for some reason. Right. But they're doing it all at the same time. And I'm like, oh, yeah, obviously that's the way to do it because it's so, so good. Yeah. In my opinion. Yeah, amazing. Oh, and one more note. Ramin Javadi is just fucking killing the soundtrack on this. Like yeah. He's doing so well. Yeah. The music yes. has just he, been amazing. The swelling, amazing fighting moments and the little tense yeah. things. Right. And, like when John no looks up and sees the Night King. It's like, best Dang. not to have any music. Yeah. Oh. yeah. It's, yeah. Oh, man. I have a couple of notes, but they've... <laughs> They verge on nitpicks, so if you edit them out, I won't be offended by this. Um, <laughs> I I have written down this whole plan is stupid, but I think that was a bit harsh, and that was me being grumpy. Um, but I was a bit like, oh, there's quite yeah, a lot. Yeah, you of got a point here. there. Um, <laughs> yeah. I think it is that thing where you have to let go of some of it. Um, other yes, random gripes I have were <laughs> Titanic moment for Benjamin when he's not allowed on the horse, but we covered that. Um, the main thing I had, and I, I don't know, I don't know if the death of Viserion compensates for this but i feel like there's a slight it's almost like the walking dead and we're having a slight red shirts issue in that there are so many red shirts that i'm starting to be like seriously are we not going to lose anyone and it's fine because yeah, i don't me want too. the people i care about to die but in this episode they feel too feel, safe though yeah and yeah. i did think you know if Tormund goes that would be an epic loss do you know what i mean and i was i was happy uh, he didn't. well you know what though? I mean, I've kind of felt like that a little bit this whole season. Exactly. But with uh, Viserion, I mean, that's a big one. That's the thing, Ugh. and that's why I'm kind of hesitant to be like, "This is crap." It's so many red yeah. shirts. But the other thing that I think Peter pointed out was he's like, "God, under all that northern gear, everyone kind of looks alike." So I don't know if the red shirts are there just to throw us and make us think that somebody else has died, or if it's right. just really confusing because everyone's got a beard. <laughs> like, yeah. They imagine if they were actually on hats. them. So yeah, no. and they they kind of were hooded and. It I was almost, I was also a bit fuzzy on just how many there were because we saw a shot of the seven yeah. and then there was a shot with more. I, I counted about 10 or 11, but then I think we lost more red shirts than there were. I think it was 13 total. Yeah. And they had yeah. like at okay. least one scout further up ahead at one point and there's yeah. probably people out on the flanks and like yeah. maybe one guy out in the back. So there's more guys than we ever saw together at one point theoretically yeah. until the uh the big yeah. frozen lake battle and i think as i say it's one of those things i'm saying it but i'm also like oh do you know what i don't actually it, it did, i'm not sitting here like really angry about it i just think doesn't matter yeah. un- until up yeah. to this area and i felt a bit like oh come on someone we have to lose someone you know thoros is a loss but emotionally he's not that much well, i mean no yeah i would i would put my cards on the table and say emotionally that's not so strong i think Practically, it is because you lose the capacity to be revived. But in terms of the emotional impact, it's it's. So, less. which of the four of us would you not really care about that much? Oh well, good question. I, I'm, just <laughs> well, I'm, Scot- I'm Scottish, so she cares about me. <laughs> don't answer that. At least to some degree. Please don't. I, please note that I did answer, but Jason edited it out. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, I, it was me. I had a bit of a theory. I I had a bit of a theory going into this episode that it was going to be Sander that was going to die, mm. and Beric would give up his life. Yes, I did too. To bring I, him yeah. back. That's kind of. I think part that's of still going to happen. happen. Beric said, well, "We will meet again, Sandor." Well, yeah, but some... the priest is gone. Fucking hope. So, yeah. Except for yeah. Melisandre. And there were right. some theories going around, and I could kind of. I I think this would have had good narrative impact. Um, was that the white that they brought back would be one of the seven? 
like it's I thought so too. Yeah, yeah. I really thought oh, there it might was be a, Jorah or the Hunt. I thought it was gonna be Jorah. Yeah. There was a, a really interesting moment I wanted to mention too, where when Beric and John are talking and Beric says to him, you know, the Lord of Light brought us back, you and me, just the two of us, no one else. And right when he said that, the hound stepped into the frame behind Beric, bigger, yeah. looming over him. And I it signified to me that the hound is important and I feel like you know, the conversation where they, they had where they the hound tells Beric or Sandor tells Beric that, you know, Thank there's you. nothing special about you. <laughs> nothing special about you. You can't fight great. You know, you're not yeah. necessarily like uh, smart or clever. Like it's because he's just a placeholder for the hound who is special, who can fight really well, who's going to be key coming up yeah. somehow. And Beric is going to save him somehow. Beric mm-hmm. is, is here just to save the hound. I'm pretty sure. I'm convinced uh, Sandor's here to save Arya somehow. Yeah, that oh, could be maybe. too. I don't know why. That's I've been hanging on to that. I, I miss the days when it was the the Arya Hound show where the two of them were roaming around. I thought that was so one of my oh, favorite bits of this entire saga. What the fuck's um, a lami? What the fuck's a lami? <laughs> There's oh, so many great. He's moments. actually um, um, the actor Rory McCann is is awesome. He did amazing. a few years yeah. ago. They did a showing of Blackwater at a local film festival, um, and he oh. came along and answered questions and was generally just really chatty. Like a lot of his family work on the show as well. I think really? his like sister and brother in law are part of either the costume or the set department. This is all horribly factually inaccurate, and I'm sure someone will write in and be like, "Actually, there you work on this." But um, he. Yeah, he's a really charismatic kind of guy, and I think he plays that part so well. Taciturn. And yeah, I have some interesting, um, interesting Rory McCann information in the news as well. So brilliant. Looking forward Yarp. to that. Yarp. Okay. Yarp. Okay. Um, Narp. <laughs> I think. Anybody else have any other notes? Uh, no, I think that's pretty much it. All right. Very good. We're gonna take a quick break. There's more to come. Stay with us. Underneath this canopy of snow Where 57 winters took their toll Where did you go? And I believed in you I believed in you Like Elvis Presley singing psalms on a Sunday She came from Come to save her soul Come to save her soul Come to save her soul Come to take her home Cause it's late and time Well, best bedtime Angel blood Angel blood over me Angel Angel blood Angel blood over me Alright, we're back and it is now time for news about Game of Thrones. Indeed, I got a bunch of stuff, so I'll try to move quickly, considering it's super late and uh, whatnot. Okay, so season eight, <laughs> pre-production underway at Game of Thrones location in Northern Ireland. A Game of Thrones first assistant director, Charlie N. Dean, says he's already at work on season eight. Crews have been spotted at work in Moneyglass, Ireland at the Winterfell exterior set 
and there's reports that it looks like they're doing construction of some kind there currently. And Nikolai Koster-Waldau has confirmed that shooting begins in October. So they're mm. on track to get moving with that quickly, which is good. Next in the news, Game of Thrones director Alan Taylor breaks down the timeline in Beyond the Wall. And this is the most <laughs> negative thing I've ever said or I'm going to say about Game of Thrones. This is the one thing where they fucked up big time, in my opinion. And um, he basically does nothing here to, to change my opinion at all about it. So he says... We were aware that timing was getting a little hazy, Taylor told Variety. We've got Gendry running back, ravens flying a certain distance, like 1,400 miles down to Dragonstone from Eastwatch, dragons having to fly back a certain distance. In terms of the emotional experience, John and company sort of spent one dark night on the island in terms of storytelling moments. We tried to hedge it it a little bit with the eternal twilight up there north of the wall. I think there was some effort to fudge the timeline a little bit by not declaring exactly how long we were there. I think that worked for some people. For other people, it didn't. They seem to be very concerned about how fast a raven can fly, but there's a thing called plausible impossibilities, which is what you try to achieve rather than Im- impossible plausibilities. So what? I think we we're straining. Yeah, so I think we we're straining plausibility a little bit, but I hope the story's momentum carries over some of that stuff. He says it's cool to know that the show is so important to so many people that it's being scrutinized so thir- thoroughly. He continued, if the show was struggling, I'd be worried about those concerns, but the show seems to be doing pretty well, so it's okay to have people with those concerns. Okay, first of all, so if the show's doing well, that means that concerns of legitimate logistic problems don't matter. Yeah. But yeah, like it's 1,400 miles essentially from Eastwatch down to Dragonstone, so it would have taken a few days for Raven to get down there and then Daenerys to fly back up at least, so... I wouldn't say it was necessarily a jumping the shark moment for the timeline of the show, but it was definitely a, j- a dragon flying over a wall moment. Okay. Uh, Let me give you two two quick explanations. One, Gendry's the Flash. Two, the, ra- <laughs> the ravens are magic. Okay. That's it. You just need magic. Magic takes care of everything. And the dragons, uh, I don't think it would take them that long. They're fucking big. I wonder, Maybe yeah. I, I did have yeah. wonder if Daenerys is like the easy jet of you know Westeros, and that's how people are getting everywhere so quick. Is she's got a side business where like uh, yeah. Viserion and Rhaegal just take people places. It's like <laughs> get somewhere quick. They're, they're like yeah. it's like the Uber Concord. And now Viserion will be carrying the Night King over the wall. Yeah, well, you know. Sansa mentions, she specifies how long John's been gone, kind of. She says, I think she says either months or weeks. She's like, John's been gone. Weeks or months. Weeks, I haven't heard from him. She yeah, says. I like yeah. that. She's been, and been I was like, okay, weeks. that gives us a little indication that this didn't all happen in the space of a fortnight. But you yeah, know. she she said I haven't heard from him in weeks. So she's probably heard from him when he was at Dragonstone. It's probably mm-hmm. been you know a good while. He's probably been gone a couple months um, total. I would estimate. Um, okay, so next, Tom Tom Hopper talks Dickin. Jane Goldman says what she can about the spinoffs, and cinematographer Robert McLaughlin keeps Kit Harrington's feet on the ground. When Tom Hopper took this is from WatchersOnTheWall.com. When Tom Hopper took a role on Game of Thrones, he had a sneaking suspicion he wouldn't be long in the world, because after all, it was Game of Thrones. He says, "I like his attitude towards this too. It's good. This is the guy that played Dick on." He says, yeah. "It's fine because I think you go into a show like that, and as long as you have a good run, you get a few episodes out of it. It's great. It's a bonus." Hopper, who'd played Dick and Tarly, said in a recent interview with uh, L, that I had a great time on it and had a few episodes where. Um, there where I got to do a lot of good stuff. I was very fortunate, I thought. So taking it like a champ, you know, he's got the right episode, uh, right attitude going into this that it's a limited gig, just awesome to be on the show in general. So good for him. He's um, also awesome in Black Sails. He plays Billy Bones. Right. Yeah, uh, that's a, yeah, I mentioned that too, that he was sort of like a, 
immediate hit because of his uh, previous role on Black or his current role on Black Cells, where you know people like him there too. Okay, so Jane Goldman, known for writing the Kingsman, uh, Kingsman Secret Service, X Men First Class, and Kick Ass, is writing a pilot for one of the spinoffs. I love all uh, of those. <laughs> nice. So that's good news for you. She says, I think as a book reader or as someone who watched the series, you would say, talking about the subject of what the spinoff will be, oh, that, okay. She said, yeah, it would be recognizable as a past event, but I think that's probably as far as I can go. Um, she added that the magic and supernatural creatures that Thrones viewers love might certainly, might certainly, like that's not a contradiction, be a part of her spinoff since they're things, quote, that exist in the universe that George has created, and that's an aspect that I love. She says, I'm sure there's an element of that in anything that's being developed, but yeah, I feel like I'm saying way too much. I can I can say absolutely nothing. And she basically said absolutely nothing. So we learned nothing. We know nothing. We're all Jon Snow, as it t- happens with the spinoffs. <laughs> oh, Next. but yeah, I forgot to mention, too, he's uh, he, he was asking Beric Dondarrion, you know, why... Why did I come back to life? And he, right. what are we supposed to do? And he goes, I don't know. And he goes, that's all everyone ever tells me that I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great. I didn't even catch that. They keep Good saying secret. it. Why? <laughs> <laughs> you know nothing, Jon Snow. You know nothing, Jon Snow. I know some things. I know some oh, stuff. Good. I know the name. I know some stuff. <laughs> I'm the shield of the guardsmen, okay? <laughs> Okay, next, Emmy Award-winning cinematographer Robert McLaughlin also talked about the challenges of filming in a studio versus out in the elements and how star Kit Harington had to literally be tied down for an iconic shot in the last episode. A great case in point is the one where John's on the bluff at Dragonstone and Danny comes in and John meets the dragon. He said, the problem was that there was a howling gale blowing and it was blowing towards the ocean off the land. In fact, it was blowing so hard that we had to put a safety cable on Kit Harrington when he was meeting the dragon <laughs> because his cape, which is very heavy fabric, was about to turn into a kite. We were afla- afraid it would blow him right off the cliff. I'm not kidding. Wow. It was that windy. Sorry, well, can we go back to the bit where Kit Harrington got tied up? not that kind of you're welcome (laughs) just let your brain wrap around that one for a little bit next game of thrones jerome flynn jerome flynn on what drives braun and which lannister brother he prefers oh in case you guys didn't know after after he shot drogon in a couple episodes ago jerome flynn's postman uh, stopped talking to him Oh, no. <laughs> and people have been giving Jerome Flynn shit like, oh, turning against the dragons, you know, brawn, you bitch. But they need to realize that by shooting Drogon with that, that scorpion, Bronn saved Drogon's life because now Drogon knows how to zig and zag. And mm-hmm. he avoided that oh, that's spear true. from, the, yeah. from the, the, the Night King. So thank you, Jerome Flynn, for shooting Drogon with the scorpion. Yeah, training. Okay. It's called training. Yeah, yeah. So um, better to practice with spears than ice staffs, apparently. So uh, how does how does Drum Flynn feel about being left out of the mix for John and Company's adventure beyond the wall? Um, he he says that uh, he says I would have loved that. I would have loved it. He confesses. I tried to avoid scripts, so I didn't know what was coming. I just read the bits that I need to read. I was thinking, oh, I wish I wasn't thinking, oh, I wish I was with them. I was just thinking, wow, this is a great mix of guys to throw together on that journey. That's where my focus was. But of course, I would have loved to go out with them. Given the number of fan favorites that we'll have to worry about on the next episode, I'm just fine. Braun is staying safe in the South, the author said. Next, on the subject of the Lannister brothers and which one does Jerome Flynn believe Braun would side with if he was forced to choose, he said, well, 
He might say it depends who pays him the most, but I'll put it this way. If he was in a battle and found himself in a position of whose life he's going to save, who knows? But I probably think he would. it would be Tyrion. Yeah. I, I think he can yeah. relate to Tyrion in a certain way and has some respect for him for what he's been up against in his yeah. life and how Tyrion Let- has dealt with it. Because last um, week, uh, I, I guess they were, maybe it was in the script or they had talked about filming the scene where Tyrion and Bronn meet up first, you know, because then oh, he, that'd be cool. uh, Tyrion had asked Bronn to get Jamie, and uh, he that actor was disappointed that they didn't go ahead and film that because he feels like Bronn likes Tyrion the most. Yeah, and I was saying that last week in an episode two that, you know, Tyrion, Bronn needs to go join Tyrion because he's, he's on the losing side and he likes Tyrion more, so it'd make more sense for him to, you know, go over that way. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, he says uh, he thinks... But Jamie can a, get him the most gold. Right, he yeah. says he thinks there's a fun, <laughs> like helps. a certain fun aspect to Jamie too, but I think he thinks it much, goes much deeper with Tyrion. Um, and it says, so the article says, Jamie better get working on that castle he promised if he hopes to keep Bronze loyalty. <laughs> I think ultimately as well, like, I, I don't like saying this because Jamie's one of my favorite characters, but he's not the sharpest tool in the shed. And I think Bronze right. is quite sly and he respects quite sly smarts. As, uh, as Leslie Jones said on Game of Jones. Uh, oh, Game of Jones. That, bloody hell. I love yeah, that. Bronze, uh, <laughs> Bronze, the guy in the hood that knows where all the $1 cigarettes are sold. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So two more news items. One, Game of Thrones actor talks about fighting with a flaming sword. Um, the actor who plays Beric Dondarrion, I think, is Richard Dormer, or something Dormer. Richard Dormer. Um, no relation. Yeah, no relation Natalie? to Natalie no. Dormer. Okay. He says it was like running a marathon in about forty kilos of armor and seal skin with only one eye and a flaming sword that kind of blinded my one good eye. Dormer told Variety, "It was hellish, but it was worth it." hard work. It took us five weeks to film that battle sequence. Oofed. Complicating matters even further was the fact that Dormer's flaming sword was not enhanced by computer graphics but was in fact entirely real. He said the sword is not CGI. That's real flames every time. Every single time. It lasts two minutes so I could only use it for two minutes and then it would start to go out so we had to start all over again. Wow. Also I had to slow my sword arm down by about 20%. So if I was doing a move I would just have to do it I would just do it quick with a sword but with the sword on fire, you can't move that fast. Otherwise, the flame will go out. Flame will go out, So you've yeah. got to move just slightly slower, but more effort, you know. Also, it weighs three times as much as a normal sword. So it's just this big club, really. Whoa. Yeah, he goes on to say, it's so weird because at Comic-Con back in 2012 or 2013, someone asked me, what what would you like... Um, what would you most like Beric Dondarrion to do in the final season? And I said, I want him with his flaming sword riding on the back of a dragon. And it came true. Oh my God. So that did. was pretty cool. <laughs> You're right. Ooh. So, Ooh. so that was pretty cool. Dormer said, what I would love to do is fight one of two people, the mountain or the night King. And I know I would definitely be killed by the night King, but I might have a chance against the mountain. And we know, in, I mean, in, in con, in, um, you know, in show continuity, he's fought the mountain twice at least and was killed by him twice, so. Okay, and our last piece of news also comes from Vanity Fair. Um, Game of Thrones, see the surprising stunt that injured the Hound. <gasps> it wasn't dragons, white walkers, or even hand-to-hand combat that did Rory McCann in. Rory McCann gave an interview published in early August, all while pressing an ice pack on what interviewer Benji Jones describes as, quote, one of his tree trunk legs. McCann gave Jones some excuse or another for the injury, but before finally confessing, okay, it was from the show. I can't tell you exactly how, but I had this guy on my shoulder for days and days. It didn't work with a dummy, so I had to carry a real guy, and we had to run and run. No wonder I'm fucked. (laughs) So he says, some days were actually brutal. 
um, the stoic McCann says, though he may have been referring to how the group, oh, oh, before we get here, like obviously it was him carrying around the white that they had captured um, in this episode. He was, mm-hmm, it took okay. five weeks to shoot it or whatever, and it just killed his knee, I guess. Oh my so, God. So, yeah, some days were actually brutal, the stoic McCann says, though he may have been referring to how the group was uh, forced to sh- uh, forced solitary McCann-, McCann to bond with his co-stars. Normally, when we're filming, I hide. I don't drink, I don't smoke, and I'm used to living on my own on a boat off the west coast of Scotland. With the other <laughs> cast, it's been like ships passing in the night. McCann said filming this season forced him to socialize for the first time, quote-unquote. But because he doesn't watch the show himself, he was at a loss meeting some of his newer, but not that new characters. Who's that big guy over there? He recalled asking his fellow castmates, is he a good guy or a bad guy? Who are you? (laughs) The responses he got were mixed, including, are you fucking joking? We've been here on the show for three years, man. (laughs) Another little funny thing from uh, from Rory McCann talking about his his latex facial prosthetic for the burns. Mm. He says, says, with the latex, you sweat whether you like it or not. You're all wrapped up in some heated trailer or makeup truck, and then you go out on set and it's freezing. Then the sweat underneath your latex freezes. Ooh. So that sounds like a lot of fun. Um, so <laughs> oh, well, we never. I'm sorry, I got to interrupt real quick. Did you notice that when up. they were taking Jon Snow's uh, clothes off, <laughs> hearing the yeah cracking. the cracking of the ice? Yeah, normal people would die. Um, being exactly. exposed that, to all... those temperatures for that prolonged time. I feel like John may be immune to ice and cold, similarly to the way that Danny's immune to fire and heat. Maybe. Or yeah. something. Sorry. I, I, for some reason, that popped into my head as you were talking there. I'm sorry. Go on. Yeah, no, good call. That's yeah, <laughs> important subject we didn't talk about. He was also underwater for a really long time. But uh, while He's McCain may have abstained from board games, he did participate in the nightly musical jams led by Richard Dormer, Beric Dondarian, on the ukulele, and Paul Kay, Thoris of Mir, on the guitar. So Thoris plays guitar. I was mistaken. Um, Dude, I would co- love to sit in on that jam right? session. Jason, Calling right? The- How awesome would that be? Play the congas. Legendary. Yeah. <laughs> um, calling themselves the Brotherhood Without Banjos. The, gr- <laughs> the, group, the group was joined by McCann, who sings, <laughs> plays piano, ma- mandolin, and yes, the banjo. We can all hope and pray that somebody caught this one video, or this on video. Hell, I'd buy their album, the article says. And McCann says, the jams we had I'll never forget. Sadly, with Thoros kicking the bucket this week and Barrack staying behind at the wall, the Music Brotherhood is officially disbanded for now. And that is the news. Yay. <laughs> Pretty cool. Wow. Thank you. That uh, Fantastic. A lot of great stuff. Oh, my goodness. Look over there. Do you see all those ravens? now it's time for raven's calls so first up we have oh josh i'm i'm gonna pronounce this wrong savanovich thank you savanovich um i think i might do it in a voice actually just for fun because you know (laughs) i've been up for two hours and the sun is up so john josh savanovich says i feel like i just watched glenn beaten to death again but by the damn night king what a powerful episode with outstanding, astounding dialogue and character interaction. I'm interested to see if next week has any solutions or sets up the final wait. Nice. Oh, the final wait. Oh, that's mm. horrible. What a good name for it. I know. <laughs> Jesus. Brutal. <laughs> it's going to be brutal. Uh, Michelle Jones says, no, no, <laughs> no, no. 
<laughs> a, dra- <laughs> a dragon gone already. I cried. So many emotions during this episode. I laughed at the hound, got scared for our Magnificent Seven, got mad at Arya for being an idiot, cried about the dragon, and loved the Danny and John interaction. The writers are killing me. But seriously, why a dragon gone already? Cry face. Aww. Yeah, I feel you. I thought we were going to get the dragon riders first, but I also yeah, I didn't we think they were going to be gone this, this soon. Yeah. Ashley Morris says, I really fucking prayed that the Night King wouldn't get a dragon, and I've never wanted incest before now. <laughs> <laughs> True that. <Okay. laughs> oh, so weird. Okay. Shane Yap says, of course the Night King got Viserion, named after her shit brother. Right. John will ride Rhaegal. His father, Rhaegar's namesake, and Danny will be with her first true love's namesake, Drogon. Yay. Which will be named renamed Snowgon. 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 Shit, that's good. Oh, that's funny. That's good. It would look like that would be his name if he got re- like resurrected as a dead, you know, as a white dragon. Then he would be Snowgon. Snow oh well, that's Viserion, right? She brought him yeah. up when because he called her Danny. So yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, I've got Key Deer. Um, I'm still angry about them still writing Sansa and Arya as stupid little girls when they should be wise to Littlefinger by now. I'm angry about seeing the spoiler about the dragon dying. Me too. It was really spoilerific oh. this week, guys. Ooh. Keep it cool. Um, but, says Kay, that moment between Danny and John, man, how that touched my heart. The feels. I'm not even thinking about the, and I got incest part of it. Just the emotional bond between <laughs> them. I could feel it through the television. Regardless of what form the bond takes, whether it be romantic love, platonic love, or the love between family, it was so intense and believable. Kudos to the writers, the directors, and to Kit Harrington and Amelia Clark. Bring on the finale. Ice and fire, baby! P.S. Here's a finger for little finger. Finger emoji. (laughs) (laughs) That's an interesting thing that, you know, their affection for each other could take different forms. It could be romantic love, platonic love, love between family. That kind of reminded me of during uh, The Return of the Jedi when Leia... It's like, oh, I like I knew you were my brother the whole time. Like, yeah, sort of knew it. Maybe they like have some sort of connection where they realize that they're related somehow or something. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing no, they to suggest that. But... I'm pretty sure they just want to fuck. Yeah, it's, that's it's what I'm. Yeah, that's what I hope. There. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Michelle Forbes says, "I loved seeing Benjamin again, but man, now we will never know what the hell he was doing wandering around north of the wall all these years. He was yeah. fire spinning, probably." Brand, yeah. Brand, now, could tell us. <laughs> yeah, Brent. And now they have an ice dragon. Will he now breathe ice? Ooh. Ooh. He can't still breathe fire, right? But John and Danny, though. Maybe he'll breathe <laughs> fire. Oh, that'd be so cool, man. Mm-hmm. Maybe he'll breathe ice and the other dragons will breathe fire. And when they connect in midair, the combination will create dragon glass that will drop down and razor sharp shards all over the troops. <laughs> wow. That's pretty good. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> um, Laura Sotolo, Sot- Sotelo, Laura Sotelo says, "I can't even right now. So many emotions." <laughs> Matthew Allen says, "Hey, Jon Snow, you bastard! You forgot the <laughs> dragon glass. <laughs> yeah. He's not a bastard, though." 
Laura Willie Swink says, Hi, Laura. Review. I just got bit by a dead bear. Best dialogue ever. <laughs> Question. Does the Night King need to be a Targaryen to control a white dragon? Observation. Ooh. Many references to John and Danny about children and progeny this episode. Hmm. Finally, exclamation. Fuckity fuck fuck not Viserion. <laughs> I love that. Angelica, and Karen also, since that's a Karen reference. Yeah, no right. Yeah. Angelica Valadez says he just had to throw that rock. Yeah. <laughs> right. Damn it, oh. Sandor. Right. The first one wasn't enough. Ned Rogers says, dude. There's no way Gendry got to the wall, a raven got to Dragonstone, and Daenerys got there to save the day all before the Magnificent Seven froze to death. No way. Just could never happen. Slap! Shut up, I don't care. That was awesome. (laughs) Ned has two personalities. (laughs) All right. And finally, Rima Joe says, I want Danny and John to have sex on this show. More than I've wanted to have sex with anyone in real life. <gasps> Does Jeffrey Dean Morgan know? <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, I won't crush. take that as an insult. Now, in all, in, seriously, in all fairness to uh, Rima Joe, she had a lot more to say, but I just used that one line in this uh, because that one made me laugh the most. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's classic. All right, so we have one phone call here from Becky from Savannah. So, Becky, take it away. Hey, guys, it's Becky from Savannah. Just a couple quick comments on the episode last night. Um, First of all, I would like to comment that it is 100% Danny's fault that uh, that dragon got killed and is now a white dragon because that thing was doomed from the day she named it after her little bitch-ass punk douchebag pervert of a brother so it was bound to be on the enemy side from the beginning so way to go Danny all your fault um secondly I really was hoping there was like a moment whenever Danny was taken off with the dragons and Tyrion was there and he was kind of like jogging after them and I thought oh is he about to like step up on one of the dragons and ride it and and be like no Danny I'm coming with you I won't sit out of this battle too and then, you know, he'd be the third rider and confirm, yeah, he's that theory that everyone has that he may be a Targaryen, but not going to happen, it seems. It seems that the third rider is going to be the Night King. So um, that's a little depressing. Uh, that exchange between the Hound and Tormund about Brienne was priceless. Um, I loved yeah. that. Uh, and I love that even Tormund <laughs> was like, I want, I want to have her babies. Um, (laughs) which is really just another way of saying I want to fuck her, but it was a little sweeter. I feel like that's as sweet as, uh, you know, a wildling can get. It was, it was adorable and they were hilarious. So that was great. And I know a lot of people have been commenting lately that the show's not killing off any of the main characters anymore, but I know for me, at least I thought multiple times, I thought the Tormund had, was going to die multiple times. I thought the Hound was going to die. Um, I thought, uh, Beric was going to die. And I actually thought for a fleeting moment that John might die in the water and become a white. So at least if, if I still get that feeling and I'm like uncertain and I'm like, Oh, you know, are they going to die? I think that game of Thrones still has its stride when it comes to that. So 
I'm very happy with the Agreed. episode. The dialogue was great. Um, yeah, it sucks that the dragon died, but it's going to be really cool uh, to have a dragon white in uh, season eight <laughs> and, you know, 2028, 20, whenever the, that season finally fucking comes out. So anyway, love you guys. Can't wait to hear the podcast. Bye. Might be next week. <laughs> In terms of Tormund, I think it makes sense from the Wildling perspective, like living beyond the wall. It's not that he just wants to have sex with her, which he totally wants to do, but they got to look for mates that'll give them hearty, strong children yeah. that'll survive. He was excited that they'll difficult... have big children that can conquer the world. Yeah. Totally. And he, you know, he sees the value of that, that genetic uh, heritage from Sir Duncan the Tall. You know, that's what it, that's what it really there you is. Go. Ah, he's just into her, man. <laughs> he's just into her. He, he's she into just her. butters his biscuit in the right kind of way. He sees I, the way I she looks at him. It's, it's exactly. Yeah. <laughs> like she wants to eat She wants to eat his spleen. Exactly. <laughs> he just likes wow. her. <laughs> Thank you, everybody, for uh, posting on Facebook and writing in. Sorry, we actually had a lot more things that did post, but as you all know, uh, we have to trim that down because, good gravy, this is already going on very long. It would go on even longer if we responded to everything. So, mm-hmm. all right, that's our show, episode 39. Thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks, everybody. Just wanted to make a quick announcement. Um, yeah, I think this might end up being the longest podcastica episode so far which wow. is cool right. uh podcastica episode no i think oh you guys it. have done like four hour ones huh we've done a three hour one yeah i think so. I, like I did an hour 59 minutes right. uh still smug too at one point all right let's keep talking no, i'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. so but no i do have an announcement so uh bald move has reached out to us and a bunch of other game of thrones podcasts we're gonna all do our own special episodes and they're going to be released as part of a fundraiser for the uh uh, what do you call it aclu is that right liberties union yeah yeah and uh so that's gonna um ours is gonna be the top three moments from season seven not counting the finale because that won't have aired yet when we record it but everything else and so uh, keep an eye out for that. Uh, I'll have more information about how you can get it. So you, you got to donate to get it, but you get that plus all the, you know, you can get all the other from the other Game of Thrones podcast. And we're in very good company with that. So that'll be Amazing. pretty fun. Yeah, that's really exciting. Hopefully we make some good money. Cool. All right. Well, if you'd like to call, you can call us at 813-563-3739. That's 813-JOFFREY. If you'd like to write in, you can email us at game at podcastica.com. Check out our Facebook page at facebook.com slash gompodcast. And be sure to check out the other great podcasts at podcastica.com. So next episode, we have the finale of season seven. And (laughs) as far as I know, at least when I checked earlier today, they didn't have the title anywhere. It wasn't in imdb or on wikipedia so they were keeping it a secret awesome yeah how cool is that interesting yeah this season and hopefully they won't leak it before tuesday this time oh Oh, yeah (laughs) so all right that's our show thanks for listening and pour one out for vicerian everybody and we'll see you next week for the grand finale Woo!